Welcome to the Hellyhead Show. This is episode number 72. I am your host, Kids, and of course we got Gucci. Hello, my friends. And we've got uh, Captain Cool Hands. What up? And we've got Diamond Diamante. What's going on? And all the way from the piteous pit of Pennsylvania, we've got the Duder Dudek. What's up, guys? seeing if it worked <laughs> nothing almost Nobody. almost yeah. get this guy a bathrobe and a white russian listen he's losing interest you gotta you gotta keep I mean, let's go let's, let's i'm get this trying to get him to laugh but it's not working he's freaking done <laughs> good luck mm. no more hugs for you mm-hmm. <sighs> what you guys been up to well you know fine Stuff? yeah fun flies had a good old time. Ate some yeah. cookies. Slept in the Ate car. Some cookies. You know, yeah, dude. Just a little bit of everything. Here you Blowing up chargers. Blowing yep, mm. yep. <laughs> That's why he's not <laughs> laughing. You made him mad. He's mad because he had the last known relic of PLC 400 <laughs> in the United States and is no longer with his, us. His, uh, his 3010B. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so mean. Uh, we are. Did you see that relic? It was like bright green. Looks like if you dropped it on the ground, it would have been lost because it matches the the grass the grass color. <laughs> Jesus, you're so jealous. You just had to catch it on fire. Look at you go. Yeah, that's what I did. I just I said, "I'll put you out of your misery now." Yeah. Well, I do feel bad because I was just trying to make sure that we start packing up so we could go to dinner and not get caught in the thunderstorm. So, yeah. how'd that work out? I mean. But the facts are, is you know, green's just not our color, is it, Gooch? No. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. That's right. Team Black Bat. Bats. Team Black Bat for life, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Um, I feel bad, but yeah, Todd could fix it. He just gave us the news. He said, I got it, you know, already fixed. It'll be back soon. Okay. Mm. Gucci okay. was just in a hurry to get out to eat so he could eat my chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> Do you share food, Todd? Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Todd really wants to say that he appreciates the fact that I actually ate the mistake that the kitchen made for our table. And Gooch I just cleaned it up. Gooch is good like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't complain. I'm like, I'm like a disposal, you know, garbage. That's, really not <laughs> that, that's a fact. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. You will. That's not true. You you barely eat when you're at Fun Flies, but then when That's, you do eat, then you're a garbage disposal. I am. That's facts. <laughs> no, we did eat good. We'll talk about that because I, I have it in my week. But. Perfect. Yeah. Well, let's throw out there for a second that uh, RCHN's very own Dan Reed tied the knot. What? He's Dude married? is married. He's crazy. How did that happen? I don't know. Mm. I liked him and better he, when he was grumpy. Yeah. And he's flying long. Like now he's back to flying. <laughs> he's back he, he gets married. And he's, and he's, he's, he's back to flying alone. That was the greatest part of the whole thing. Out here by myself. And I was like, well, nothing's changed. That's what it was when you were doing RCHN. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what, Dan? That's the best way to be, buddy. Fly by yourself. It's great. You don't have to wait on anybody. No drama. You know? Yeah, there's no drama. Yeah. You can just pop on a, a podcast, listen to it. I know there's not any good podcasts out there. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> you know, 
it's something to do, I guess. Yeah. But congrats yeah. to you, sir. That was pretty awesome. Um, yep. I, I know it wasn't like recent, recent, but it was, it's recent to the heli community anyways, that he is now married. So pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. And we got a lot of love from the last show, didn't we? Get out of town. I, and it's crazy. I know people are listening more than like one or two, three people. Oh, okay. Three. They gave us a compliment on the old, uh, servo show. So uh, we just want to let you know that uh, our very own Scott Graham will be back to do the tail servo segment. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that because uh, there was a few people who really want us to do it. So I think that's a pretty cool show to do. Give our own little rating. This one sucks. Yeah. This one doesn't. We well, didn't, it <laughs> we didn't do I just that. started following the show last week. That's oh, great. really? What, what took you so long, Todd? Yeah, glad you could catch up after three years. I just wanted to make sure it was something I liked. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure it was okay to put his name behind it. You never want to rush into anything. (laughs) Just ask my wife. Uh, He's got a new show commitment. Poor candy. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Yeah. But, no, uh, that was, it was that a good one. To be, yeah, I think a lot of people, we got a lot of good feedback. So we did. the tail cool. servo is in the future. It's coming. Yeah. Yep. Then after that, we'll do nitro engines and uh, mm-hmm. have to let all those guys who were running OS, we'll have to let them down gently. Mm-hmm. And, sure. um... <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but. You know, Kyle's ninety-one was pulling strong this past weekend. Mm. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't hear that. Can you say it again? Mm. That ninety-one was pulling strong. Either that, or you just are freaking yeah. a master. Yeah, no, it's not. Management. It's not fair. It's not fair. Nope. Kyle could nope. make a freaking Cox 049 engine look good. <laughs> Dang, it's not fair. No, it's all in the engine. It's, yeah, it's all in the engine. Shit. <laughs> yeah. When you need something to have power, you just call my dad. Say, hey, what you got in the back of the closet? And pull it up, whatever he's got, and you're good to go. Uh, just add some lemon juice, sprinkle yeah. some some pepper on it. It's like, yeah. it's ready. Like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's running great. Dad yeah. takes the wire brush to the rear bearing and sends it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just tune the engine instinctively and just let it rip, baby. Mm. Mm. Love that. That word. Both needles all the way in. That's right. <laughs> Wind them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just make sure the it's idle easy. is rich yeah <laughs> rich enough the idle crank the other until they stop and then That's two more right. clicks and you're good uh-huh run the hottest plug you got yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i have some uh, nitro booster in there like 30 yeah. percent uh no it's like 50 percent. but you know who's counting right. Open header, that bitch. Yeah. You're running, you're running Byron's? No, I'm running Tito's, baby. Tito's. <laughs> We're about to start having to do that. You know you know that, Kyle, right? It's getting really close. I've thought, <laughs> and I've, yeah, we've thought about it. Weren't you asking your dad if he's got any fuel left? <laughs> yeah, and he didn't even, he never looked. So I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it's really there. bad when you got to call your dad like, Dad, I know yeah. it's been a while. But do you have any nitro left somewhere? Yeah. Somewhere in the <laughs> attic, maybe in the back corner. I think he heard he what it's worth a... now, so he's going to be selling it online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah, I when got he, when he I calls up, he's like, "Yeah, I got a green bottle of uh, Cool Power and stuffed in the back here. I'll send that to you." <laughs> I got three cases of Roto Rage, thirty percent left. That's it. Man, I'm gonna I miss the I'm, smell of that stuff. I know. That's I'm going from full pool to thirty percent Roto Rage, and then we're done. I got nothing left. Wow. I might have to go to Cool Power. I don't know. Oof. I mean, nice. sure. At the end of the day, if it if it runs, it runs. I, hey, man, I, you I could run S and W. I was about to say that. I mean, you could do that. Yep. Just call call Charlie when it's uh, time to run that. Can Charlie give VP? I don't know. Good. He's Probably. just too stubborn. So he likes that S and W, man. Oh, does he run yeah. S and W? Oh, yeah. yeah. He he's live or die by. It. Listen, mm. if you guys skip out on Urcha, I should not say that out loud, and go somewhere <laughs> else. I'm just saying you might be able to take home some fuel with you. I got connections. Mm. Uh, no, I don't. That's not true. But I know someone. I might just actually call up Ron and see if he could bring some VP with him mm. at uh, the Ohio Heli Throwdown. There you go. That's what I might do. That's it. So much to-do list. Does he have Literally. connections with VP up there? I think he he does. I'll just have to because he was throwing some some connect that he might have up there. So I just need to research that and have him pick me up. Like I don't know. I think four to six cases would get me through the year, and then some. There you go. Forty six cases. Yeah. Four to six. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, wow! Yeah. I love the Four to six <laughs> cases get me through like a five year span. <laughs> I yeah, for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, uh, I hope yeah, my luck changes. Ben's the one who cursed me. He was the one that was like, "2021, we're not buying nitros," and I kept buying nitros, and they kept not working. So I blame him. It's, I mean, why do you keep yeah. friends like that around? I shouldn't. Honest, honestly, shouldn't. like, listen, you just nitro is life. I'm sorry. Yeah, changed my mind. <laughs> I haven't even got a nitro. I've had one in like so many years. Thanks to Todd. <laughs> Todd's like Todd's like time to get out of nitros, and then he turns around and buys one. I'm like, oh, I guess we're not getting out of nitros. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's what Todd flew most this past weekend was nitro. I did fly a lot of nitro this weekend. Yeah, that that 600 was ripping, wasn't it? It was running good with that YS60 in it, wasn't it? I thought so. Mm. I mean, you you are like the the YS whisperer. I don't know what you do. You must take it over to Ray's house and sprinkle some, you know, lemon juice and some pepper. And yours never have an issue. Lemon I juice haven't been that pepper. lucky. I'm writing that shit down. Fuck that. Lemon juice yeah. and pepper. Yeah, spice it up. Got spice it. it up really mm. good. Disclaimer: If your motor doesn't work after trying this, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not our fault. Uh. That'll be the day when somebody posts a review like, Hey, head sucks. They told me to put pepper and lemon juice on the motor. It doesn't work. Mm. It was all of a street cred. It smelled yeah. nice, but fuck the damn thing wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is in the fuel tank. We can talk about that later. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But see, how are we going to get that secret juice? Well, Todd flies VP. Mm hmm. It's very, very hard to get around here for some reason. That's what I'm saying. You know, you got to head south, my friend. 
Mm -hmm. Or we just get you up here for the Ohio event. Yeah, bring it to us. Bring some fuel. That sounds a lot easier. <laughs> Rent a big car trailer, fill it from the front yeah. to the back, just for us. <laughs> Gucci knows me. I fly to those events. I don't. I don't drive. Yeah, he's he's bougie. I'll drive to you, and then we'll drive up together, and then I'll drive back down. <laughs> Dude, if you drive all the way down here, we'll find something else to do. Trust me, we'll we'll have a good time. <laughs> Maybe we can find me a house. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, your microphone will sound better. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. See you next week. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, All right. Man. We're going to go on. Let's, I guess let's, so. Let's... We probably should. So mm-hmm. uh, let's get it out of the way. So thank you to everyone who downloads and streams and listens to our podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you three. Uh, we would love to add more people. <laughs> So please, maybe um, four, maybe. <laughs> no, thank you very much, you guys. All right, uh, Gooch, what do you got? Oh, God, freaking seven bullets, really? <laughs> oh God. yeah, overachiever this week. You, you ready? Uh, All right, I'm going on mute. All right, so Gucci's weeks is is is. So the biggest thing that I did in the past two weeks is we went. Um, me, Todd, Kyle, and a few others actually attended the first ever the stars heli spring fling yes the name is kind of confusing but it was a club in cuba new york and they held their first helicopter punk fly up there were there stars there there was one and it was very clear who it was it was mr kyle stacy Ooh. Uh, yeah ooh, like ooh, he ooh, showed ooh. up like dude forget it you know it didn't matter like you know, if you flew a turbine or anything crazy, it didn't matter. Kyle was there, so. Yeah, but Chris Rivers showed up. Come on. Yeah, on Sunday. Oh, yeah. he's late. He, he, he was ducking me. The daylight. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was ducking you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was kind of surprising because you you and him go a long way back, right? You do. Back in the days. Yeah, but I think he had something going on. Better. I think. Uh, Something with his daughter at school. Yeah, he was wrapped up, so I'm just giving yep. him a hard time. I will say this. He did listen to the show on the way there. So, yeah, kudos. Thank you. That's uh, listener number three. Yeah, <laughs> right. We just gained so, that one. So, yeah, like, you know, he was there. Like, another, uh, I met Dima Venar from Toronto. He actually drove from Toronto, from Canada, down there to, you know, attend the fun fly. And he plans to do a lot more, attend more fun flies in the States next, nice. uh, this year. So it was pretty cool. Uh, met, uh, Dan Hoops. Uh, he is, so Dan and Matt Claus, they're local to Cuba. They actually live, I think in Pennsylvania, but it's right on the border. The club is. So that's their local club in Cuba, New York. But these guys are a group of guys that I guess were in helicopters. They kind of took a break, and now they feel reinvigorated because I guess as a, a bunch of the club members decided to buy helicopters last year, so now yeah. they're like full out, ready to attend fun flies and get back into helicopters. It was pretty cool. So, yep, a lot of cool. Uh, Matt's uh, wife, she was uh, the one to actually run registration. Thank you for that. She was awesome, but it was it was just low key. I loved it. You know, we got all the flying. I think Todd flew like I don't know one thousand fifty flights, give or take. 
So it was pretty cool to uh, to attend. So luckily enough, I did come back with uh, almost a Puma, uh, just like you know, uh, issue with servos. I stripped some gears in an auto, mm. but everything else came back in one piece. So the Genesis Nitro Raw 700 came back, and then the 580 came back. So the only problem was the Puma servos, the BLS 272s. I had a bad auto, touched it, and then it decided to completely flip over. And the only thing bad on it was the cyclic servos. I think one of them stripped gears. But I still ended up putting it back up in the air after I stood it back up on its skids. So it's kind of flight-worthy. Let's put some thetas in there, some Mm, titties. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's see. uh, Got some more flying done at my local flying field on Wednesday night. You know, they do the training night. so. Of course, there's usually a bunch of entry-level pilots that show up and uh, definitely trying to get helis out there. So hopefully one of these trainees end up going the helicopter route. Let's see. So I've been, I've been using that V-Bar Classic a lot to mm. do that. So that's been pretty nice. It's definitely paying back uh, the money I paid for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sorry, Brandon. Waiting for the second Puma. Mm. Mm, so nice. another Puma on the way next week, hopefully. More servos, or this week by the time this route. I'm going to get some more servos, and I'm going to get some Thetas for the first Puma, Puma number one. And then I'm getting motors, ESCs. I'm kind of doing a lot of refresh. So pretty, pretty. I'm excited about that second Puma to go light. Lighter than light. Let's see how much we can shed off of it. So And still be able to get a three-minute nitro flight kind of mm. you know power so 1950 2000 we'll see uh k4 so i've been running the k4 charger i got rid of my x16 uh ben connor bought my x16 and i went with the k4 it's charging discharging is doing all that just fine the only thing that i notice is the irs seem higher than other charges that i have so for example, like I use the same battery, the same connectors, and generally speaking, let's say one charger will show like one of my older chargers that I have or the X16 were showing like three milliohms. The K4 that I got will show like six or seven. And I don't know if it's just the charger, if it's connectors. I try to isolate, you know, where I use the same stuff across all the chargers and uh, this K4 is showing some higher than usual IRs than the other charges. I don't know. Can't you calibrate it? I thought you could calibrate it. So I tried calibrating it, and then it was giving me a voltage input error. Oh, cool. Yeah. So kind of pointless. <laughs> I tried doing – and the way I did it was I literally plugged the battery into my voltmeter. And because that's the only thing you could adjust is you could adjust the, the voltage. You can't adjust IRs or anything like that. Um, but then when I did that, it was showing me some kind of voltage error. So unless I was doing it wrong, I don't know. You, you saw those instructions are very minimal, kind of like Gowie back in the day, one page, <laughs> give or take. So, yeah. Uh, but I do love the fact that I have the app on my phone. 
So that's been kind of like a game changer uh, for me because my hobby room where I have my charger is like in my basement. And during the day, let's say if I'm working, I'm upstairs in my office, it's nice to keep an eye on the charge and what it's doing just in case. So that's been, uh, and it's neat because it lets you know when when the batteries are done. So That is cool. Yep. Let's see here. I did buy something Uh this past uh, week um, from a fellow uh, Hangout member, which is I bought a brand new, spanking new 105 Pro Tune Pipe. And I just want to give out a huge shout out to Bruce Deese from Georgia. He was the one that actually, I mean, it was a deal. Let's just say it was probably half what they were brand new not less so huge thank you to bruce um definitely gonna put that one on the good old raw nitro 700 so um that's about it sweet am i missing anything Mm-mm, that's it that's it for me who's next All right. next kyle no my turn mm-hmm. um i don't have as much as Gucci to report. Um, I haven't really been around quite as much. Just been kind of wrapped up in some little side quests, side projects that we've been working on. But I did go to the Stars Heli Sprinkling with Gucci and Todd and had a good time. It was a nice little laid back, um, nice kind of unwind. They had a really cool field there. Um, I'm surprised you didn't tell them about the Indians there, Gucci. (laughs) (laughs) I saved that for you. No, I I didn't. (laughs) But you could say, because that was pretty interesting, like the, the safety briefing. Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> the safety briefing uh, was pretty good, because straight across from the runway, there's like two lines of trees. And they said, behind those lines of trees, there's a factory. If you hit it, you get in big trouble. And further behind that, if it crashes, it crashes on Indian property, where you oh, are boy. officially making a donation to the Indians. We are not allowed on that property <laughs> at all. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not even like government property. It's not even U.S. property anymore. It just belongs to the Indians, which I thought was. How can I cool. make that happen? Wouldn't okay. it be nice? We would, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it, it, you can do whatever you want there. You show up and they can kill you, and it's like, all right, whatever. Well, rest in peace. They'll, they'll investigate. <laughs> yes. So, Indian lands, they're governed by in, the Indian police and the, the tribe council members. Like, you, the United States can't. You know, you as a United States citizen, you cannot enter there and do anything. Right. They 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 control everything on there. So it's pretty crazy. I was like, hmm, interesting. So don't fly past those trees. And what yeah. does Kyle do on the first flight? He goes straight for the trees. Right past it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Bring it on. Live life on the edge. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Yep. But yeah, other than that. Uh, what else we got? Um, did, you ah! a, did you put another screw in your gasser? <laughs> the gasser is 99% done. I don't believe it. It's all right. You don't have to. It is 99% done. Um, I was on a trip, and Ron Chorus came to Florida. And uh, while he was here, I gave him a little side quest, and he worked on my raw <laughs> gasser. <laughs> all it needs is a Neo, and we're good to go. Is so. it going to be flying by this weekend? All order right there, my friend. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my defense, I don't have a Neo yet. So. Hmm. Yeah. But, I think so. they came back in stock, right? 
They sure did. I just simply, uh, I ordered one, but it's, it's not arrived. I don't even think it shipped yet. Maybe you should have snuck onto that Indian land and... <laughs> <laughs> I would have found a bunch of V-Bar controls there, too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs, what are you doing here? Um, yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> the gasser will definitely fly this year. Um, looking forward to it. Ron did all the hard work that I was putting off, so I got the easy part of just setting it up and flying it now. So Nice. We'll get that done. And then, uh, other than that, just uh, in the free time that I've had, I've just been flying my raw nitro a whole lot. Just really, really leaning in and, uh, you know, kind of re-falling in love with it. Because I flew it a lot last year um, when it came out. But now that I'm just kind of kicking back more these days, I just keep gravitating towards that thing and, and having a good old time. Nice. Like uh, like you guys said, flying an OS-91 in it. And it just keeps on ticking, man. Just can't kill it. Knock on wood. So awesome. Yeah. Uh you were thrown down with that thing. Jesus. It is fun. It it just feels really natural. It's cool that uh it's cool to have something that's nitro powered that's lighter, you know, kind of feels like the puma in the air. Um responds mm-hmm. a lot quicker. So the black nitro you can't you can't beat it, but um the raw nitro just kinda is on a new level. It's just different, mm-hmm. I feel like. So that's about all I've got. All right. Diamante, what you got, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot's been happening. Uh, since New Jersey, been uh pretty relaxed. Uh, rebuilt the helis, getting ready to go to Gucci's house, get making sure the helis are good to go for the upcoming events, and yeah, and practicing for F3C and F3N. Sweet. Mm, did you send the electronics for your Kraken S for God's sake? Maybe. Oh Jesus. Maybe not. I'm waiting He's... for Ron Kors to send them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, just that's, bring really... them. Just bring them, uh, and we'll just do a power build like the night before, and then we. You, you just know. have to put a motor and ESC in it. Pretty much, that's it. Yeah, I'm actually pretty pumped about that. That's gonna be a fun, Helly. I feel like. Oh yeah, it's here. It's got the blades. I got the S blades for it. So, whenever whenever you arrive, we shall see if it stays in one piece. Thanks for the lack of confidence. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Don't worry, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot to put this one bolt in. But I don't remember which bolt. But there's one <laughs> bolt missing. <laughs> Out of the head. Out of the spindle, uh, spindle bolts. One's missing. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. I'm too. This is going to be fun. Let's get some good practice in, too. Yep. That's the plan. Nice. All right, uh, Todd, what have you been up to the last couple weeks? Had a great time at the Stars event with Kyle and Dan. Um, did a lot of flying out there. I basically used up all the flight stations that were available out there. So tended to walk from end of the field to the other end of the field at times. But um, yeah, had a good time flying the boom out there on 6S. A lot of guys were very surprised um, that it was actually flying on 6S. And um, flew the Drake a lot. And also flew my Kraken 580 a lot, Nitro. And um, what after that? Um, I was only able to be there. Candy me drove out Saturday morning, and we drove back late uh, Saturday night after we went to dinner with a couple of the guys. Uh, we hit major rain halfway home. Made the trip miserable on the way home. Uh, but we got around Erie, PA, which is about an hour and a half away, and things cleared up, so it wasn't so bad. 
Uh, came back on Sunday, slept in a little bit, and then I was uh, working on my Kraken, um, switching it back to the F3C head on that. So that's going to be my practice machine for there. Um, uh, it's been a busy week at work. Um, I had to buy a new charger. We won't get into the details about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> who, who did what? What happened? <laughs> Ah, uh, Gucci was in a hurry to leave the fun fly and had to get his cell phone charged up. And uh, <laughs> I guess he power surged Candy's pulse charger. And uh, I think I'm Candy. the only one that has a pulse charger that was left from, you know, since they started no, there, that thing. There's one more person, Todd. There's one Is more there? person that showed up on Sunday. Chris Rybert still has one. Oh, that's right. He does have one. Yep. So I almost took it, you know. <laughs> and bring it to you. I, I felt bad, been, but... Mm. But I did take it to work on Monday, tore it down, and I found a couple components that were bad in there. So a couple dollars in parts, I think it'll be back up and running. Nice. But um, I did buy her a new K4, ISDT K4, like Gucci's. And uh, we'll give that a shot, see how that works. It's always good to have an extra charger laying around. Yeah. Um, and again, it was just a busy, busy, busy day at work. Um, busy week at work. Today was super busy. I was trying to get home early, getting ready for the podcast, and I was cutting it close there. But um, that's really about it for this week. Yeah. You know, I I was debating on whether or not I was going to sell my uh, what is it? What did I have? Uh, I have the three hundred eight, and because I also have a K four, but I don't think I'm going to. I'm just going to hang on to it, put it underneath the bench. You know, and uh, you just never know. I made a mistake of selling my Progressive RC case a long time ago. Of course, that charger at this point would be outdated, but, you know, um, this one's pretty nice. I don't really have any need to sell it, I guess. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm trying to fund something else, uh, but I do have that K4 also, and, and I really dig it. It's a nice charger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DOS K4, that's the next thing, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm still working on that case. The wife is still yet not brought, brought home a, a glue stick. Uh, the <laughs> What do you call it? The uh, hot glue stick or whatever. Um, she's like, I'll bring one home. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I basically, me and Gooch bought a couple cases that, uh, I mean, they just fit in these cases. Um, and so we tried to use the... Uh, little partition things that you can buy uh, for those Nanook cases or whatever. And with that, there's no getting it in there. Um, so you get a lot of extra foam and stuff like that in SAB boxes. So I decided to use some of the foam, since it's real thin, just to, to act as a barrier between plastic to plastic, you know, kind of thing, really more or less. I mean, if you, you know, it wouldn't matter if that divider was in there or not. You drop this case, that charger's probably a goner, but... Um, you know, it's just to kind of keep it from breaking, you know, whatever. But so uh, I'm trying to hot glue that in there and get it set up and stuff like that to kind of become a new little charge case. And it's obviously much smaller than the one that I normally carry around. Uh, so I have been working on that in the in the background, but I'm waiting on my hot glue stick. And it's just not showing up. They sell those at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> That's far. That's or far. Michael's. Michaels, that's even further. Ugh. Oh, Lord. Where do you live? In Mill Nowhere? I mean, I'm in Knightsville. 
Oh, Lord. That is far out there. Mm -hmm. See? Banjo around the corner. Gotcha. Yeah. Can crusher on the tree. Take a left. Um, what else? What else? Um, so I said nothing in the notes, but I guess that's not really true. I am rebuilding my Puma uh, from the infamous Poof. And I did notice that there was a couple other parts that needed to be replaced. And one of which is the secondary shaft and the uh, front tail pulley. Uh, those managed to kind of take a hit. So uh, it had the, the strong shimmy shake. Tom, Shin, and Gooch were on the, uh, on the, well, it was Messenger. It wasn't Facebook Live, but it was, we were doing a little um, video, face, FaceTime, whatever you want to call it, with uh, Messenger. <laughs> Me and Ben were out at the field, and this thing, it just sounded terrible. So we finally traced it down to those two. I've not replaced them yet. We're going to do that tomorrow in the midst of trying to pack up because um, we're going to take a little trip down to Florida. And, um, I'm also working on the nitro, but I just can't get it together. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm grumpy. Not really. No, I, I, it's just, I just have too much stuff going on, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We've heard this before. Kevin. Spend, okay. spend, <laughs> spend a boatload of money on my truck. I had to get that oh, repaired. Wow. Oh boy. Poor thing. God, I just feel so bad for you. Mm. You would have if you knew how much it was. <laughs> really? What'd you do? You don't have to say that do. Oh, you mean the, the the wheels? No. That's that was a long time ago. I know. So where are you going? What'd you do to your truck? Both manifolds cracked. Oh Ooh. man. Mm. Huh. You so. know what didn't happen to my Tacoma? <laughs> didn't crack a manifold. You exactly. only got one manifold. <laughs> Well, it's like a little, it's a little kazoo. Yeah, nice. Can't tow more than myself, but hey, whatever. (laughs) It's cool. Oh gosh, yeah. So that wasn't fun. Uh, It was a lot of money, Um, but uh, it is what it is. Um, But I too am waiting on a second Puma. I managed to grab another one of those. I really love that heli. I know mine has problems. That's okay. We'll fix it. But I really enjoy it. Uh, this one, of course, uh, I had the motor come in the other day and it's a 4030, five, si- yeah, 560. I had to think about it. Sorry. And, um, so this is going to be the ripper one. I think we're going to, we're going to have this one be the one that's a little bit hopped up. The one that gets, uh, Todd to break out his hard hat. Nice. So, yeah. Um, but I did buy some servers a while back. Uh, I got some R2s I'm going to put in there. I do need a tail servo, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, but, uh, and of course, then I did purchase a YGE RES-135 to put on there. So super stoked about that as well. Um, that's really about it, you guys. I, it really just nothing. Not a whole lot of... I got nothing good. Mm. So, what did I do last weekend? Oh, the parents were here. That's what it was. No, they didn't do nothing. That's why I do nothing. Oh, he- he was on lockdown. I was on lockdown. Yeah. So, yeah. But this weekend is Florida. We're going to go hang out. Then the following weekend, uh, me and the wife are going to go do uh, a retreat to go do some mountain biking. No, I should say mountainless biking. That <laughs> <laughs> a boy. Yeah. That a boy. Oh, boy. But I'm, nice. I'm stoked. For the, my mountain bike peeps out there, if you know what Myrtle Beach's Hulk is all about, 
you know what I'm talking about. Shit's good. So uh, we're excited about that one. But um, yeah, but that's that's all I got. I'm done. Chris, <laughs> please do not fail me. Okay. Give it to uh, me. What you got? Okay. Hold on. I got to do some breathing exercises. Okay. Um, I'll allow it. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I won't, so hurry up. Okay. <laughs> I'm losing I'm interest. losing interest. <laughs> <laughs> Vata's hot! All right. You get in there. Two more steps now. We just got two more steps. Got to get you up there. That was awesome. That was cute. Do you, <laughs> you listen to country music? You listen yep. to country music, don't you? Yep. That explains everything. <laughs> you need to start listening to some metal, boy. Yep. Okay. Okay. That explains why I can't figure out how to win. What is hot? Let's what do we got? Man, more pictures coming out for the, of the Raw 580 Nitro on Facebook, huh? 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 Mm. I'm waiting. That cracking Nitro 570 is goner. So rude. Rude, but listen, I, I have a it. feeling <laughs> I, I, if it flies like the raw 700 Nitro, I think I'm going to be just fine. I'm not going to shed a tear. So, I mean, I've had the Kraken Nitro uh, all the way since it was released. So it's, it's served me well. So it's not first time. Yep. You know, first crash was Spring Fling ever. So pretty, pretty good. Uh, excited about that. Oh, what do you think pricing, Kevin? I think it's seven hundred, seven fifty, the usual. One hundred billion, kajillion, <laughs> flamillion. No. Uh, so I, I don't I, know. Uh, I nitro. Yeah. How, how much is the five eighty electric? Hmm, five eighty electric. Isn't that between seven and eight hundred bucks? I haven't looked at the price for that. I never okay. had enough. Seven, seven fifty. Seven eighty nine, I think it is. Seven eighty nine. Maybe don't quote me on that. So the Kraken, the Kraken five eighty nitro is now like, it's not eight nineteen anymore. It's like eight thirty nine or forty nine, something like that. Do you think it'll be the same? Eight forty eight. Eight forty eight. So yeah, it's not going to be the same. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh. Maybe it will be the new eighteen eight nineteen price. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I I and and listen that you know making jokes, but I mean it's really and truly because of the shipping costs, right? The shipping costs have just gone through the roof, and everybody had to increase everything. So that's part of the reason why, if you do see prices higher on like BK site or SIB or whatever, it's because of shipping. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I so. Seven eighty. Does it matter? Does it matter? Because I'm gonna think, buy I, one. I think, I think eight nineteen. That's where I'm going. Eight nineteen. Yeah, we're gonna make a bet Ooh. on this. Hmm. Eight twenty. <laughs> Christy is gonna say one dollar. <laughs> no, two dollars. Uh, two dollars. <laughs> what's uh? What's the bet? The bet is nothing. I'll buy you a coke. Yeah, we'll get you a little <laughs> bit more from the budget. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. I'm making yeah. 25 cents. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's going to be just over 800. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's so. let's see what it shakes out to be. It'll be interesting. What does Kyle I'm think? excited. Does, or does Kyle know? Kyle probably already knows. Uh, <laughs> that's a bold assumption. <laughs> Kyle's like, I'm retired. Remember? Oh my god. Kyle's been M I A. Okay. It'll be interesting to see what it comes out. No yeah. matter what, I'm buying it. So. Yeah. Yep. Running the the same old stuff in it. The torque servos, the minis. Just let it ride. So. Let's see. How about what is hot? The new BK website launched. Mm. Mm-hmm. Butter. Dude. Yep. It's a lot smoother. Uh, I was actually looking through the whole website this past week because I was, you know, making my wish list for the next shipment is going to come out with the Puma. So, right. Uh, it's super easy. Um, I usually point people out to being able to one click go to the manuals for all the main uh, available. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and it doesn't redirect you to to SABs. No, you know, side or whatever. Like it literally, you get the manual right there. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So there's two ways to get to the manuals. Either on the main page, the home page, you scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see SAB manuals. Or if you're in the parts section, so let's say you're looking for Kraken 580 nitro part and you just don't, you can't figure out how to filter it or whatever case may be, you just want to know the part number because you're not Kyle Stacy and you just got stuff memorized. You'll be able to go to the top. You'll say, "Can't find your part." Click here. You click there, and it takes you to the manuals. So it's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Um, awesome. But yeah, the usual stuff. I think uh, rewards and all that stuff carried over. Just uh, a, a reminder that uh, we saw the email from from BK Hobbies. Even if you had an account before, just you have to go back and, so to speak re-engage your account by putting in your information and it has to be the same email that you used in your previous account and then you put a new password or the same password whatever the case may be once you do that then your account is reactivated per se so mm-hmm. pretty neat just remember if it doesn't take it's probably the wrong email address just hindsight 2020 um let's see and with a new website, I think that was maybe launched because we have some Memorial Day sale. Yeah. I, by this point, we release the show. It'll probably be already in process because it'll be Monday, give or take. But it should go until midnight, right? So you listen to the show, let's say Monday at noon. Go to BK website. You will have some deals, some decils. Some decils. Going on. That's right. Yep. Yeah, so. and just to keep it unbiased, there are other people also. I, I've gotten emails. Uh, I think one of them was Heli Direct. They've begun their mm-hmm. stuff. Um, uh, A-Main usually, I think, does some things. Yep. Um, and I'm sure Shannon from Only Fine Helis will also, you know, he a lot of times he participates in those kinds of things. Yep. Um, anybody else I'm missing? Um, sorry to say, those are kind of the big ones that, yeah, that, that most out. people gravitate to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so be on the lookout. Go to your favorite uh, dealer and uh, buy something. You surely will get a decent discount. Save mm-hmm. yourself some, some money and get a good decil. Yeah, the Pumas are coming in. The second batch, right? Soon, soon. So might as well get on, on getting a, a deal on one yeah. if they run one. I don't know. 100%. I don't think, 
I've seen anything on that, but usually you'll be able to find something that you want on with a discount. So it'll be nice. And I'm a lot excited. Of times, I mean, there's I and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but even if you purchase it and it's not in stock, sometimes they still honor that, right? That's yes. correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure do. Especially on like uh, motors and stuff, because there's so many X Nova motors in stock. But if you want to get one that's not there, you can take advantage of the deal and then it'll ship soon, you know, shortly thereafter. Right. Mm, maybe some some 8S love if you were thinking about going 8S. Mm. Ooh, there we go. 830KV. Yeah. You might, you know, just, just get it. Just get it. We impulsive. We know. I, uh, I got to tell you, I, I, you know, I flew mine on 8S. Okay. And I, I got to tell you, I think it's, I think it's the way. This is the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, so, and just to kind of dig back on that. Now, granted, it depends on how you fly. Obviously, Todd Dudek is a seasoned professional, and he flies on 6S, and I'm sure his stuff comes down fairly cool. Uh, even if it were to get warm, I, it, I'm sure it's not a concerning warm. Um, but for me, uh, my components came down fine. It was the 7S pack, and I think we sort of touched on that. But Doing it this time on 8S, it actually, the packs came down, you know, much cooler than the 7S pack did. So, uh, I for me, that's going to be the ticket, is 8S. So, you know, I can be a little bit more aggressive, you know, be a little more ham-fisty with it. But at the same time, you know, if I wanted to be gentle, then I've still got plenty of pop, plenty of torque. And uh, I think I think going 8S is a, is a good way. So... If you want to take advantage of uh, one of these deals, your favorite place, then uh, you know buy a motor that is comparable to 830 kV, and that'll get you 8s or you know a good motor for 8s. So just uh, just putting that out there. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's about it, right? All right. Well, let's take a short break, and we will be right back. This is Frank Moraveos, aka Way Less Doritos. I'm really grateful to be the new Maniacs USA team manager. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to be working with some of the very best pilots in the world, such as Duncan Balsian, 2019 Global 3D Champion CD, as well as Aaron Wolf and Ramis Jacobson, to just name a few. When you're performing at this level, you certainly need the latest in light bulb technology with the most comprehensive warranties and one of the best crash replacement programs in the industry. Maniacs provides a huge variety of packs from 2S up to 14S, with multiple three ratings ranging from 35C to 70C, which caters to everyone's needs and budgets. The best part of Maniacs is their lipos come with a one year from purchase date manufacturer warranty, free of manufacturer defects. In addition to a six month crash replacement program of 30% off MSRP, six months from the purchase date. These batteries can be found at ManiacsUSA.com. Hope to see y'all at the next event. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, As mentioned before, we have our special guest, Mr. Todd Dudek. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, Todd. I mean, I know we had to beat you over the head for i don't know what seems like a year and a half am i right that's probably about right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like trying to get a hug out of you yeah very true 
Mm-hmm. Well, mm. we appreciate you very much coming on. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Uh, yeah, I was on a BK podcast at one point. Oh, oh boy. Mm. BK? When, he did it, when those guys did it at Urcha. Cowan. That, that, that doesn't count. That doesn't uh, count. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna get to know Todd a little more. We're gonna we're gonna get dig deep inside, aren't we, Todd? We are. We're gonna mm-hmm. talk about some nasty stuff. We're probably gonna get kicked off the hangout for, and um, <laughs> it was nice knowing you guys there. But it's okay. You guys mm-hmm. said you wanted to do it, so we're gonna do it. Let's do it. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get really gross. Where are you from? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Actually, north of Pittsburgh. 20 miles north of Pittsburgh, a little town called Mars, Pennsylvania. Oh, Mars. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He's close. Like what? About an hour and a half? About an hour and a half from Gucci. Oh, nice. Yeah. So close by. So let's, uh, what's next? So you, as many as some of the other folks in our hobby, deal with UAVs, right? Is that what you do for a living? Um, I did in the past. Okay. Um, the FAA rules came into place with the drone stuff and kind of uh, put a halt to that. Um, so, yeah, I guess a little bit of my work history is I used to work in the uh, commercial airline interior business. Uh, we made commercial airline interiors that you would see as you're sitting in your airplane, all the plastic parts, overhead bins, um, composite parts, um, all those types of things. Um, I worked there for 18 years, and um, I basically started there working in a shop, assembling um, pieces, parts, and then um, there was a uh, vice president that worked there that um, took a lot of time with me to teach me a lot of things, taught me CAD, taught me CNC. Basically, anything I was willing to learn, he was willing to teach me. And over the 18 years, I had worked my way up into director of research and development, um, I was doing a lot of the composite manufacturing over there, at least the design of it, um, and the first articles and so on and so on, and getting it onto production. And then 9-11 came along, and 9-11 um, put a real hurting on the airline industry at that time. And we'll back up a couple years um, before 9-11. I, a friend of mine worked for a Carnegie Mellon University in a robotics department, and they were flying these large-scale Yamaha helicopters. They come from Japan. They're mostly used for crop dusting in Japan. And they're manually flown. And what we would do, or what they would do, is bring them over. And they were trying to develop a uh, flight control system so that those could be flown um, unmanned. And um, this person that was their pilot was getting up in age. And he was getting very timid. and. Um, very, very concerned that he wasn't able to do it much longer. And he asked me if I would come in and take over. So I went down and talked to the group of guys. I got along with them very, very well. And um, I started doing consultant work for them. And I did consultant work for probably two years with them. And then there was another division of the university, which is um, called the NREC. It's um, National Robotics Engineering, Engineering Center. They also had another project um, going on. It was a it was a helicopter project. Also, they were using the Bergen helicopter. Um, it was a two cylinder gasoline uh, helicopter. A lot of problems with that helicopter. They were trying to lift a lot of weight with it. Um, I was designing road rotor blades with uh, Vic from V Blades to try to get that machine to work. We did get it to fly. We got through the project that they had it for, 
Um, but then we replaced it with the helicopter from the university. The Yamaha helicopter finally took that project over also. Um, but then again, I was doing consulting work there, working for the airline industry, and then 9-11 had hit, and everything came to a halt that day. Um, the airline industry really went downhill. Um, a lot of the orders got put on hold. And at that point, a military project had came in for the university, and they contacted me. And timing was right. They're like, do you want to take a full-time position at the university at the Robotics Institute? And being at this place was called McGee Plastics, I've been there 18 years. I was in very good position there. It was a very, very tough move, but it just felt like I had to make the move. Um, there was a lot of people, like lower-level people in the shop, that were going to lose their jobs because things got pretty bad there. So, you know, I thought that was probably the best time for me to leave, maybe give a couple other people a chance to keep their jobs. Um, so I had left and went full-time for the university. Um, I gave them one month notice because there was a lot of projects I was working on. So it took me, you know, a month to get out of there full-time. But went to work for the university. Um, and what we did was uh, we built these flight control systems to put on the Yamaha airframe. So when you get these airframes from Yamaha, it was basically a helicopter airframe, 256cc twin cylinder, water-cold, um, hmm. 11-foot diameter rotor blade, um, a lot of power, big, air, big aircraft. And we would build a control system for those. And we also got into building laser systems, laser mapping systems for those. And a lot of, a lot of times what these were used for is some of the military testing we were doing was is they would have unmanned ground vehicles trying to find their ways around from like point A to point B, you know, out in the middle of these big um, open sites on a military basis. And the helicopter, what it would do is we would put it into autonomous mode and then the ground vehicles would take control of the helicopter and say, look, I want to go to point B. And then the ground vehicles would send a command to the helicopters. It would go map that area that they need to know where to go the helicopter sends all that data back down, and then the ground vehicles know the best path to go to get to the point that it's trying to get to. Um, so that went along for a while, and then we got a call from Yamaha, Japan, and they asked our group to fly over. They flew us over to Japan, Yamaha, their main uh, headquarters over there. And they knew we were building these flight control systems and these laser scanner units, mapping systems. and um, they wanted us to build them one for over there because they were mostly doing crop dusting over there. That's what their biggest uh, main vendor was over there, was selling these to the crop dusting industry over there. Um, but they wanted to get into other things for mapping of like roads and different places of construction and so on. Um, there's a lot of landslides over in Japan. They wanted to be able to go in and map and see how much material had actually moved off the hillside those types of things. And um, they wanted us to do this as a side company. They didn't want us to do this as the university. So we started a small side company called Skies Unlimited Corporation. So there was a group of about five of us. We would go do our eight hours of work at the university for the projects that needed to be done there. And then we'd do another, you know, whatever hours at night that we could. So it was very, very long hours. I wasn't getting home until, you know, three, four in the morning, get a couple <laughs> hours of sleep and right back at it again. Right. We did that for about a year until we got their first product done. Um, 
and then more people started calling us because they had found out we had this side company going on. And some of the military groups um, were trying to save some money. So when they put a project through the university, um, they would, the university would take 54% of our money from our contract for overhead. And then we had to pay our salaries, all of our, anything we needed, you know, products or whatever we needed. Um, we had to pay for, you know, our workspace at the university, rent, everything like that, out of the other half of that money. So we started looking at that and we're like, you know, what's going on here? We're paying the university a lot of money here. And then one of our contracts, it's, it ended and money was tight in the university. And the university came to us and said, look, you guys don't start bringing more money and we're going to have to start laying people off. So we're like, what about all these millions of dollars we put into the university over the last, you know, 13 years? And we're like, that goes to the university. So at that point, we decided to break off. Um, so we broke off 50% of our time from the university and started this side company called Skies Unlimited Corporation. And we did another pretty, pretty big military project at that point, built them some units, same thing for the helicopters, Yamaha helicopters. Um, they were scanner systems, flight controllers, so on. And then, um, you know, that went on for years and years and years. And then um, all this drone rules came in from the FAA. And it really affected the Yamaha sales into the United States because Yamaha could not get those certified to be able to be flown in the United States. They actually, a team of two guys moved to the United States to try to work out all the details with the FAA to be able to sell those machines here again. Um, and it just never worked out. So we, at this point, we were full-time skies. We had totally broken away from the university and um, we had to come up with some other work. So we had gotten into um, making some helmet cameras for uh, NASCAR. And what NASCAR wanted to do was, is they wanted to be able to have a little box up in the corner of your screen when you're watching NASCAR race on TV. And they wanted to be able to see where the driver was actually watching. You know, is he watching his gauges? Is he watching the car next to him? So we built this system called Eye Tracker. Um, it basically had cameras inside the helmet. It wow. would watch where the person's eyes are and then had forward-looking cameras. And then we wrote all the software up for that to be able to track the eyes and then show where the eyes were looking at in front. Crazy. And then I moved on to a NFL football helmet for, um, that was mostly used in practice. They're not allowed to use them during the actual event, but uh, they used those a lot in practice. And these were all prototype types of things. They never really caught on and went anywhere. And then at that point, uh, one of our friends had started a company years back. It was called Carnegie Robotics. And this gets confusing because, you know, you got Carnegie Robot or Carnegie Mellon University, Carnegie Robotics. There's all these things called Carnegie, all these companies called Carnegie in Pittsburgh. But this was Carnegie Robotics. And uh, he asked us to come down and talk to him. We went down and talked to him. He's like, we need help down here. And um, are you guys willing to do some consulting work for us? So we went down. Three of us went down and we did consulting work for them. And then eventually um, they acquired our company Skies, and then now we work uh, full-time for that company. And then um, we do everything from commercial, like package, packaging, moving products to military projects to uh, many, many different things down there. So 
that's about where we're at right now. That's amazing. What a what a history of um, you know your work resume for sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. So here's one funny thing is um, I don't think I have ever looked for a job in my life. Like I can never remember like going to apply for a job. I think I did when I was 17 years old. My mom said, hey, your aunt works for the um, for Allegheny County, and they're looking for people to run the pool and the boathouse over there, right? So she's like, go over and fill out an uh, application, and she'll push it through for you. So I remember going over there at 17 years old, filling out the application, and my summer job for, you know, when I was 17 was go work at the county swimming pool and boathouse. <laughs> but after that, um, when I started, my next job was working in window manufacturing. And my brother had known the people there, and they got me into the place. And then when I was there, my next-door neighbor was an, engineering, or was an engineer at McGee Plastics, the airline industry, right? And he said, hey, we're looking for some people in the shop. Come on over. And so yeah, I basically went over there, right? And then um, when I was working in the airline industry, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, my friend called me about this thing at the university. And same thing, you know, with where I'm at now, Carnegie Robotics. It's just kind of like I never remember filling out an application or anything like that. Um, <laughs> it was just always people had found me. And it happened to work out. I think a lot of it's luck. A lot of it was timing. So hmm. I, I love That's working. So cool. it's, um, I always say once I don't like what I'm doing, I won't come in. But. That's the joke at work. They're like, oh, don't make Todd do something he doesn't want to do. He won't show up. <laughs> but, um, work, work has always been like a hobby to me because mostly everything I really have done in my career, I just really enjoy doing. You know, I go That's and play great. with robots every day. And, you know, it's just fun to do for me. Mm, sure. So you haven't lost interest. Is that what you're saying? I have not lost interest. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to lose interest in the airline industry, to tell you the truth. But it was mostly due to management changes as the company grew. We were very small when I worked there, like maybe like 18, 20 people when I started. When I yeah. left, we were upwards of 120 probably. Wow. Yeah. So there was that breaking point where it became not as fun. Yeah. Completely get it. Nice. Well, I actually got kind of a twofer for Todd. I just thought of something. Um, kind of goes along with work. Um, but you've produced a lot of different little... RC knickknacks over the years. You've never done anything like a helicopter, but you've done dampeners and, and other stuff. So talk a little bit about what you've kind of done on the business side of the RC world. So yeah, um, I'm really bad with years and when things happen in the past, but you know, I'm going to talk, I'm, this is probably 15, 12, 15 or more years back. Um, I was looking for a dampener. Most of the helicopters that were on the market, Raptor, um, you know, whatever else was out there at the time. I know the Thunder Tiger Raptors were very, very popular at that time. So whatever time frame that was in, um, T-Rex had just started to come on a market. But I was looking for a dampener because most of, the, most of the ones you got in the kits were these basically molded rubber inserts that you put in the head. You'd go through 30 flights and they were just all wobbly and get worn out. And I was like, there's got to be some better thing to do here. So... I've always had access to lathes and machines and CNCs and everything like that. So I'm like, I'm going to make something out of Delrin, right? And at this time, there were some other, other dampeners on the market, um, but they just didn't give me the feel what I was looking for. They were basically solid. Um, and it just, these were all fly bar days too. So you got to keep that in mind. 
So I machined a couple different variations of these done. And what I was looking for was something that was soft around hover, but then when you really got on it, they would stiffen up. And what I had come up with was it was a my initial ones were a Delrin bushing and they had O-rings on the outside. Very, very similar to what you see like on the um the SAB helicopters. Now they're similar to that. Hmm. You know, they have a hard stop on them and the O-rings. But this was a one-piece machine that had grooves around it, and you'd slide these O-rings on there. And then there was one for taking up slack in the uh, feathering shaft. So if your blade weights were slightly off, they could center themselves. They would actually use those O-rings to actually let the feathering shaft slide side to side to take up Mm -hmm. a little bit of dampening that way. But they were very, very soft around center. They hovered very nice. But when you really wanted to get on them, they would hit the hard spot of these Delrin bushings. And um, it worked really well for me. And I, I used them for a while. And a couple of the guys around my area were like, hey, can you make me some of those? And I made a few of them. And then a few of the guys, um, some of the top pilots out there, when I was at Fun Flies, I was talking about them. I'm like, hey, can I try a couple of those, right? So I made them a couple sets, sent them out. Like, these are great. You should really sell these things. And I'm like, I don't know. And I didn't think much about it. You know, months have gone by. And for work, I was at a friend of mine's machine shop. It was an older guy that I had flown with for years. And he had a machine shop, local machine shop. And I went over. I had him doing some stuff for actually Skies Unlimited Corporation work we were doing. And his son had just bought a um, CNC lathe. And there was, when I walked in, there was all this red stuff everywhere. These shavings, this red shavings everywhere. And I'm like, what is this stuff? And he's like, oh, my son makes these, um, they're for all these crazy dirt bike guys that do all this jumping stuff and everything like that. He makes all these internal shock parts for them. And he makes it out of this product called, Del, or it's, it's called Turkite. Um, that was kind of a secret back then when I was doing dampeners, but it's called Turkite. And I'm looking at this material and I'm thinking, I'm like, this is a lot like Delrin, but it's like, it feels different. It's like self-lubricated. Anyways, he's like, here, take some of it. So he gave me a couple of these rods. So I go back to work and I like sheen my, my bushings down with that for my dampeners. And the stuff just like, it held up forever. It just didn't wear. It had no wear. It just, the wear resistant on it was great. So at that point, now I'm thinking, maybe there is something here, right? So again, I made some up, sent them out to some pilots that I knew. And, um, you know, someone went to like Todd Bennett, Jason Cross, those guys back in the day, if people remember those guys. Right. Um, Pete Niotis was another one. I don't know if you guys oh, well, know him. Yep. But, um, yeah, Pete calls me up. He's like, dude, you got to you gotta produce these things. And I'm like, I talked to Candy about it. And she's like, I don't know if you want to try it. We can just do it like on a side. So you got to remember, I am like, Work at this time. I'm working full time for the university. We had just started Skies Unlimited Corporation. There's like no time left in a day. But as I had time, I started making some of these bushings, and then I had my friend that I found this Turkite product from. His son had the CNC lathe, so he started producing these for me. You know, a few hundred at a time. And then what I did was I got in contact with Ron Lund, the guys from Heli Pros guys from Heli Direct, some of the major online distributors. And I said, look, we have this product. Are you interested in carrying it? 
we'll give you a really good break on it, but I don't want to be involved in any of the advertising. You guys advertise them. And Ron Lund's like, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. Hmm. So it got to the point, you know, Candy and me were like packaging. He's up and we're, she's working full time. I'm working more than full time. I'm coming home for a few hours. We're packaging these things up in her townhouse. And then she's taking them to work the next day to ship them out. And um, we didn't really sell too much direct. It was mostly to the larger dealers because they would buy in quantities. It wound up to where my friend, his son, just couldn't keep up with the work he was doing <laughs> and my work. And uh, he's like, I have another friend that has a bigger CNC. Um, it's very, very um, sophisticated CNC. It measures temperature of the material and everything because what happens is as a machine gets hot, the material gets hot. Um, mm-hmm. Your center bores and everything as the material heats up, things expand, and then when things cool back down, um, the, the shaft diameters start to shrink and you can't get the feathering shafts on them. A lot of problems, but he had this machine that took care of all that. And we were having runs made of these bushings of a thousand at a time for him, and oh, he was wow. producing these. I was buying bar stock by 20-foot lens for him of this Turkite product. Hmm. And um, it really, really, really caught on. And it got to the point where Candy and we were like, we can't, we can't keep up. She's working full-time, I'm working full-time. So we had to hire my mom and sister to do all the packaging for us. So <laughs> Candy would print up all the labels. Candy's my wife, if no way Elder knows that. Um, so yeah, she'd print up all the labels, would buy all the bags. I'd get all the stuff in, inspect it and take it to my mom and sister. They'd package stuff up every day. And we were moving just a ton of product. It just really, really took off. Lasted about two and a half to three years. And I noticed the market changing more of the like stuff coming from China for the aftermarket parts started, started coming through. Um, you know, a lot of those brands started to come through and I'm like, oh, we got to be really, really careful how much product do we stock here. So I really started to bleed off the stock. And then it, it was just like a light bulb turned off. It just, it, it just stopped. Just like one day the order stopped and uh, we were lucky not to be st- stuck with a lot of stock. And, uh, but like Hal brought up, um, we did get into some other products. We were doing some carbon fiber parts. I was making these, uh, they were called cyclic rings. Cal probably remembers these. Yep. Um, there were other companies that made these cyclic rings. And what it was, was you put this on your cyclic stick. So as you're doing like a pirouetting flip or something like that, it would make it so your stick wouldn't like be in a square. Yeah, you stay out of the corners. You could stay out of the corners, yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem was, is say you're doing like a rolling circle and you're using your elevator. What would happen with this, the totally round ones is you would notice your elevator, as you're giving it elevator, you would notice your roll rate changing also because it's as, as, as your stick's going up over that radius, um, your airline was being backed off. So I thought, what if we make these kind of like more of a square with a radius in the corners? So we tried it. A couple guys tried them and they're like, yeah, this is great. So again, that was another product that really took off. Had to make that for all the transmitters that were available back at that time. And, um, you know, the dampeners, we were doing them for, like, Synergy, Raptor at the time. The T-Rex 600 had just come out, um, the Raptor 90s, um, all the Hurobo stuff. So we had, you know, probably eight or nine different type of dampeners we were doing also. 
And then guys wanted to be able to tune them, so we came out with tuning kits for them. So you, if you wanted softer O-rings or harder O-rings in there, you could do that. Um, but it was a fun side project for a few years. Um, uh, helped pay for the hobby, definitely. Yeah. That explains then, your, your warehouse addiction. Yeah. And Kyle <laughs> talked about the Crackalator. We actually came up with uh, two electronic devices. One of the guys I worked with at the university, he was an electrical engineer. And um, I'd go to the field and train guys on a body box, right? And he'd be there because he flew also. And he's like, that cord is stupid you guys got going between. I'm like, well, that's all we have. He's like, all right. So next weekend, he comes out and he hands me this box. He's like, plug this into the back of your Fataba transmitter. I'm like, okay. Plug it into the back of the transmitter. And like, he goes over and turns the other guy's radio on. And like, it's a cordless body box is what it was. Wow. This is before cordless putty boxes were even thought of sure. by like Batava or any of these places, right? So we had that as a product we sold. And then uh, the Crackalator had come out. Same guy, uh, my friend, electronic engineer. He, this is when crack got really big. And if people don't know what crack is, it's, I think, I don't know, Cal did. Alan, who, who invented that? Was it Alan or who? It was Matt Botos, actually. Was it at Matt Botos? Okay. Was it? Yeah. I always thought it was Alan. No, Matt started it. Alan made it really big because he would never like not do it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> he was just kind of in a constant state of crack. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> Anyways, my friend seen that and he's like, "There's an easier way to do that." <laughs> so, <laughs> again, um, basically brought trainer cords from Pataba. We basically took the connector off the end of it, and he made up this little circuit board. I drilled two holes in it to get a screwdriver in there with a pot. There was two pots in it, and basically it was just that square end that you would see on your trainer cord of a Fataba trainer cord. Mm. Plug that in your trainer port. Um, you went into your transmitter to the trainer section and did a couple setups there. And the pots on the back, there was two of them. It controlled how far your swash plate would rotate side to side, air one, and then how fast the other pot was for how fast it how fast it rotated. So if you can imagine, you know, you're just sitting there moving your air line stick back and forth really, really fast. What you would do is you would just fly normal and you would hit your trainer switch and the thing would start to crack by itself. <laughs> you would still have full control, you flew the helicopter just like it wasn't on. But the whole time that switch was thrown, it was doing crap. <laughs> and like Bobby Watts was putting it on his throttle. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay. Um, so that became another product. Um, Bobby had a lot of those. I think he even set one up. I think even until Chicken Wing passed, he Chicken Wing was using one of those because he just got a kick out of using it. He just mm -hmm. hit that switch. <laughs> it would start to do the crack move, right? But I do remember uh, we gave Bobby Watts one. And Bobby actually flew it in the XFC one year. Yep. And I think this is when Jamie Robertson was doing that thing with the tail or something like that. Wasn't he doing some kind of crack thing with the tail? Yeah, he Kyle. did a little, the tail wiggle, yeah. Yeah, because he said he couldn't move his right hand fast enough. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah. anyways, Bobby worked it into his routine where he was going to use this crack. crack. We called it the crack later. And he did. 
And actually, the next year they got banned. We weren't allowed to use any kind of electronic devices like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how that got ratted out, though, because I thought it was a secret. So I don't know. It was a secret. I don't know how they found out about it. I don't know. It worked well, though. I remember Bobby did it with a night machine, too. He put it on a switch for the night or for the lights. Yeah. And- it's like strobe lights. It was it was a really cool little device. I like that. That's I think how Bobby and his friend started making those night systems. That was like, oh, we can take this the next step further. Yeah, that's right. Yep. See, Todd, you are the instigator. <laughs> See that right there? Got- that right there is proof in the pudding. Oh, Todd made a whole unit that got banned from competitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun stuff to work on. <laughs> It's always a hobby. We actually um, actually designed a um, set of Knight Rider blades back then, too. They were wood. Again, my friend did all the electronics for it. And you see them now. They're available, right? Um, It was very, very similar. There was a sensor that you had to mount on the tail boom. All the programming was on a small chip inside the rotor blade. And then it was a series of LEDs down there. And then you do the program, and you could program what the thing would write. Um, you see this a lot on like fans you can buy for your house and so on now too. Wow. Um, you know they have the Night Rider stuff, but that we never we never pushed that into a product. We were trying to do something with Bic. It was just too hard to get it put into the carbon fiber rotor blades. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that was something with Todd, isn't it? Yeah, Todd pioneered something. a lot of things. Yeah. He's creative. <laughs> so <laughs> stick into the hobby side of it um what came first for you was it helis or airplanes like what did you get into first so it would definitely be um airplanes so it was about 46 years ago um my dad had got me into airplanes so he was a modeler at a young age he was in control line back then and then um you know then he started having family and everything so that all ended as soon as I was old enough to like build plastic models, um, he had me into plastic models, cars, airplanes, things like that. And then he got me into the stick model building, you know, like the Gillows kits and those types of uh, rubber band powered stuff. And then got me into control line. And then um, when I was 11 years old, um, so that was 46 years ago. Um, he got me a craft and people probably don't even remember this name, but craft was a radio manufacturer. Um, and he had a friend that he had, he had, he was working with that belonged to an RC club that was very, very involved in a hobby. Um, they found me a used craft single stick radio and that's the radio that I actually learned how to fly on. Wow. I tried to learn like- how to fly by myself. That didn't go so well. Um, and then we had met some local people here, um, and they they're the ones that had taught me how to fly. Hmm. So you've been doing so, this your whole life, basically. I mean, you grew up flying then. Yeah, the hobby has been a huge part of my life. Um, so yeah, when I was fourteen is when I got into helicopters. Oh wow! And then you know I met Candy in a hobby. Her father uh, flew with us, and still does. And uh, that's how I met her in a hobby. So she's been in a hobby since a young age. So. Yeah, the hobby is pretty much part of our everyday life for the most part. What was so, the uh, popular helicopter when you were getting started at 14? It's hard to say. I can tell you what I had started with. That's the only thing I can tell you because 
let's get, this is back in 1979. Um, there was nobody in my area flying helicopters. Helicopters were known as this thing where you don't want to get into it. Sure. And if you ever mention a helicopter, people would be like, don't do it. They don't fly. Um, they're very hard to get flying. There's very few people in the world that can fly these things. And I just happened to be, we used to go, my dad used to take me to these RC flea markets and had gone to this RC flea market. And my sister used to travel. My, my older sister used to go to these places with us too. Um, my sister was pretty involved in my growing up in my life too. And um, she actually supported me a lot in a hobby. And then financially too. And uh, my parents financially supported me. But anyways, we're at this flea market and I seen this helicopter sitting there. And we're talking to the guy and my dad and sister are like, do you want to try that? I'm like, I don't know. Everybody I talked to said, don't do it. They're like, well, do you want to try it? And um, I said, okay. So my sister. <laughs> that, actually, that was very hard. I'm sure that was very hard for you to say yes. <laughs> my sister wound up buying it for me there. Um, I want to say it was like, don't hold me to this price. 250 bucks. It was the airframe was already built, had a motor. I don't think it had any servos in it. It didn't have a transmitter. And uh, so it was an American RC Mantis. It was a fixed pitch helicopter. Hmm. It used a um, Thunder Tiger 40 size airplane motor in it and just a standard airplane muffler. So like the stem of the muffler stuck straight down. So if you landed real hard, you'd plug the muffler up. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I got this thing home. My sister had bought it. She said it was for a Christmas present, but this was early spring. And so she's like, you can take it and work on it, whatever you want to do. So I took it all apart and like rebuilt it, repainted it, cleaned it all up and spent a lot of time with that and um, some servos in it. And all we used back then was a four channel radio, airplane radio and standard servos. That's all we did. Um, Fixed pitch, if people don't know how that works is, you depend on the RPM of the main rotor blade to go up and down as far as our altitude goes. Um, so there's always this delay. So you give it a little bit of throttle, the thing starts to go up, and you back off the throttle, and at some point it starts to settle back down. And when you're learning how to fly those, it seems like you're always behind the curve. So you're either going up or you're coming down too fast. And um, I remember taking dowel rods and wiffle balls and making up an X pattern on the bottom of the landing gear to make the stance of the helicopter wider. And that's basically how you use these training gear and you just sit there and you bump hover and you just chase, I chased it around my front yard. You know, I'd get it up like mm-hmm. an inch and a thing would move 10 feet forward. And I just walk behind this thing, trying to um, get the thing to hover. And it took <laughs> me almost a whole summer to actually get it into a hover comfortably. Um, I think there was a crash in there. Um, <laughs> so, when the crash happened, then I basically had to wait to get the parts. There was really nobody in our area. And um, we, my dad somehow found, this is before the internet and everything, he somehow found a dealer that was about two and a half hours away from us for that brand. So he took me there one weekend and uh, to get some parts. And the guy was like, did you bring it with you? And I'm like, no, I didn't bring it with me. He's like, oh, you should have brought it down. I'd help you get it set up. He goes, 
you got to get these things set up before you can learn how to hover him. He's like, how are you doing it? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm just trying to like move the throttle up and down and get it to move. He's like, no, there are certain ways you have to do that. And <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure you want to talk about this? <laughs> do you want to get into this? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Put the disclaimer out there. Yes. Long this podcast. Was Here we go. Back, yeah, this was back in 1979. 79. 79. Mm. So what they did back then could be considered illegal and unsafe in 2022. Disclaimer <laughs> right now. Disclaimer. Don't try this at home ever. Yeah. I'm not recommending anybody you try do, this. You but... didn't hear from us. <laughs> it was free fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was free fall, not us. <laughs> no, like, do because that's part of this show is we want to talk about those days because that's most of us, we complain about silly stuff, like my glowing nada doesn't work, you know, like that kind of stuff. So what did you have to go through back then? All right. Um, so I'm down at this dealer's house. Guy's name's Dave Dar, And he's like, here's how you're going to trim it. Since you didn't bring it with you, this is what I want you to do when you go home. He's like, uh, you have to, you have to get this, you have to get it trimmed but you don't know how to fly it, so it's hard to trim, right? So he's like, the first thing you need to do is get your blade tracking set. I'm like, okay, how do you do that? He's like, well, what you're going to do is you're going to start the engine. You're going to lay the transmitter down beside you. You're going to hold tail rotor gearbox with one hand. Okay. Left hand, my left hand. <laughs> the tail rotor blades are spinning on the right-hand side. You're going to kneel on the ground behind a helicopter. And you're going to raise the throttle up a little bit, not until it comes up into a hover, just below that. And you're going to tilt the nose of the helicopter down, so you're going to pick up on the tail boom until you're sighting down the rotor blades. So, you know, now the rotor blades are eye, eye level, right? You know, arm lengths away. And you're going to look and see what color we put tracking tape on, are like red and white. You're going to see what color is high and what color is low. And then you're going to back your throttle off. You're going to take a pair of wrenches, crescent wrenches, and you're going to bend those metal things that hold the rotor blades on a little bit at a time. Oh, my God. So you get those blades to track. So I'm like, okay, we'll try that. It's like the next step. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to put your transmitter beside you. You're going to kneel behind this helicopter, and you're going to hold on to the tail boom, and you're going to try to get this into a hover. And he's like, but the problem with that is, is your motor might not be adjusted, right? So there's two ways you need to get your motor adjusted. You either get a friend to hold the helicopter by its skids over his head, <laughs> take this thing to full throttle, and you reach over and adjust the needle valve under there, or you strap it down to a picnic table and then lay underneath of it. And um, so I didn't really have anybody to do it for me. I wasn't going to have my mom go out there and do it for me. So I strapped it down to our picnic table. And I uh, got the thing fired up, um, got down underneath it, raised the throttle up the full throttle, adjusted the needle valve until it sounded happy at that point, backed the throttle off, and now we're back to um, trimming the helicopter. So again, kneel behind the helicopter, hold the tail rotor gearbox with your left hand, put the transmitter on your right, raise the throttle up until about half throttle. The helicopter should come up off the ground, and then 
what you're going to do is you're going to feel the helicopter if it's trying to pull out of your hand or come back towards you or left or right. And you're going to adjust your sub, your tr trim on the front of the transmitter, the little slide dials on the tr tr front of the transmitter until it feels like it's hovering level. So <laughs> sure enough, it worked, right? <laughs> How are you still so alive? You, we survived somehow. And again, you did the same thing for the tail. You could feel the tail pulling a little bit here and there. Tail was a little bit tougher. So at that point, you, you shut it off. You fire the thing back up, and now you're going to try to do these little jump hovers. And, you know, the tail, we didn't have any tail gyros then. So the tail was like, you know, trying to whip, and you're trying to control the tail, and you're trying to do all four of these controls at one time, and it's so confusing. And, um, but you just kept trying and trying, and then at some point it clicked. And then I, can, I still can, to this day, can remember the first time I got that helicopter into a hover. And I'm sure it wasn't super, super stable, but it felt super stable back then. And um, you basically, at that point, you could hover, and then you didn't really even have to think about it at that point. Um, you know, then we removed the training gear off of them, and then they kind of had to learn over again because now the helicopter is much more narrow. But yeah, that's how that all happened. And then wow. I do remember in my front yard, I did all this training in my front yard. We had this big oak tree there. And I remember I'm just like getting into forward flight a little bit. And again, for forward flight, you just chase the thing around the yard. You'd move it forward a little bit and follow it and uh, until you got the hang of doing that. Things were going good. <laughs> and I almost think this is one of those things where somebody was watching me and I'm like, here, watch this. And I'm flying under the oak tree, which I did a hundred times. And again, I'm just 10 feet behind the thing following it. Right? A gust of wind comes and being a fixed pitch, any gust of wind, the thing could just like balloon. It balloons up under this oak tree and just like disappears. And <laughs> it just made this tremendous noise and just rain parts down. And I'm like, well, Guess we're done for a while, right? <laughs> so it was a little bit before, you know, I could get the money together to get that back together. But um, yeah, it was definitely a learning experience back then. I don't, I'm glad I did it. It's just, it took a little while. It took a while. How did you buy parts for that? So the way I bought parts for that was, like I said, there was a deal or two and a half hours away. So when my dad had money to do it, he would drive me down there. And we would go get the parts we needed. So it could be weeks before I could get the thing back together. Sure. And then, um, so that same helicopter, you know, about a year or whatever, I'm into this. Um, I did my first loop with that, my first roll with fixed pitch. I got it into forward flight. We, a friend of mine took me to the field. Um, so I did that at the local field. Um, both times I did forward flight there and the loop and a roll. There was nobody else around. It was just him and me. But now people in my club are starting to hear, hey, this kid's like flying this helicopter. So has anybody seen it? My friend Reese is like, yeah, I'm, I'm there with him. He is really flying the helicopter. And he actually looped and rolled it. And so now some of the other guys are starting to semi-get interested in it. And then a collective pitch uh, system came out for that helicopter. It was a kit. It was basically a rotor head. Made a collective pitch. Came with the blades. Oh, wow. I put that on a helicopter. That helped with the ballooning of the, you know, waiting for the motor RPM to go up and down. But the problem was it caused another problem because on a fixed pitch, as RPM went up and down, 
the tail was fairly stable. And just keep in mind, there was no gyros back then because the RPM of the tail rotor would go up and down with the rotor RPM. So it didn't tend to swing as much. But when I went to collective pitch, that changed everything because now I'm able to change pitch in a main rotor blades. But my tail rotor is not changing speed. So anytime you would give it pitch, the tail would kick out. So I started messing around with it. And I came up with this bell crank system that I could put on it that basically worked off my collective. Back then, the collective and the throttle were kind of working off of one servo. And I had another rod come off of that that went to a little bell crank. It was basically a tail rotor mixer. So as you gave it more pitch and more throttle, it would move this mixer level lever and actually it put more pitch in the tail or less pitch in the tail. Hmm. Um, so that fixed out for a while. Then, um, yeah, things just moved at a pretty steady rate after that. Wow. Huh. You were solving problems that barely even existed back then. It was fun to work on. <laughs> yeah. uh, so do you, I just want to say that I'm very impressed that you actually did practice safety even back then because you did go to the club to actually do a loop and roll. You didn't do it in the backyard. I did not. Yeah, so that's safer than probably some of us that fly in the backyard. Just saying. So. Yeah. But when you really, really think about it, I know that sounds very, very unsafe. And it is. Don't get me wrong. Holding the tail rotor and having that thing in front of your face. But, you know, the rotor speeds were way, way lower than what we're running today. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, some of the maneuvers that people are doing or we're doing right in front of our face right now, I don't know. I don't know how much more dangerous it really was. but Yeah. Well, it all starts in that area, right? It's like the first person's like, yeah, we're going to strap ourselves to a big rocket with a lot of liquid oxygen, and we're going to go for it. Yep. Well, was that safe? Not really. But, you know, you just you got to do go through those steps. And I'm sure happy that you guys did it back then because I don't know if we could handle that kind of level of risk nowadays. <laughs> so. Um, well, let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about events. So, do you like flying at your home field, or do you like to go to events? And how many events do you usually try to go for in a year? Does it? Do you have a goal? Well, so I really enjoy flying anywhere. It really doesn't matter where I fly at. I enjoy it. You know, if I'm doing some testing on something, I'll go to my local field here. There's nobody there. I can go up for a few hours, do everything I need to do and um, come back home. So it's very quick. It's like 20 minutes away. Um, my main field is the Nighthawks field, which is in Ohio. It's about an hour away for me. Um, it's a great group of guys out there and girls. Um, and we go out there and we have a lot of fun out there. Um, events, I have a lot of fun at events too. Um, I like flying at events. And um, I don't know, I probably go to probably average about five a year maybe. Um, something like that. It just depends on the year. Right. You know, COVID kind of slowed things down for us a little bit for the events. Slowed you down. Slowed me down. Yes, it did. <laughs> slow me down. As far as travel, like we didn't make it down to Orlando this past year. And yeah. We normally are Sad. We missed you. Not really, yeah. but we did. No, we did. We did. <laughs> we were looking around like it would be so nice to have Todd here, but nope. Nope. Todd said no. I do want to point. Go ahead. Nope, good. So I do want to point out, like, you know, Candy, like, you've known her for obviously a long time, like you said, and you guys have been in the hobby. Candy actually flies, and this year is her year. 
she's trying to match you flight for flight, from what I'm seeing. Yeah, she's probably actually doing more flights than I. I know Don in uh, Spring Fling, she probably did more flights than I did. She was always flying down there. Really? She'd go in the back there and just fly. Yeah. So, yeah, she's flying a lot this year. And she's strictly helicopters, right? I don't think I've ever seen her fly a plane. You haven't. Um, originally, she was flying airplanes. Okay. Um, that's what she learned on. Uh, we used to fly gliders a lot off of winches. Okay. And, um, she was really into that. And then she got into, like, train airplanes. And then um, pretty much helicopters after that. She's been helicopters for quite a bit off and on. Mm-hmm. But this year, she's probably flying more last year and this year. Um, so, you know, Dana and Brittany are at the Nighthawks field, so she likes to fly with them. Yep. So they'll kind of go down their own little site there and kind of do their own thing and keep That's flying awesome. down there. How, so, did yeah. you get, how did you get linked up with the Nighthawk folks? How did I get hooked up with them? So a friend of mine... Uh, a friend of mine is in the turbine jets. And he mentioned to me that the Nighthawks were having this open house event or something like that up there. And he's like, you should come up. They fly helicopters. A couple guys up there fly helicopters. So uh, Candy Me jumped in a car this one Saturday, and I don't think I even took anything to fly, to tell you the truth. If I did, it would have been an airplane, probably. And uh, we went up, and... Um, met a couple of the helicopter guys up there and a lot of the airplane guys and jet guys and everything like that. Real good group of people up there. And uh, I met Mike and Dana there. Uh, we had all this Goblin Girl stuff um, from the previous Urcha. Um, Kim came over with all this Goblin Girl stuff. And at the time, I was kind of managing the SAB team. Hmm. And Kim brought all this stuff, shirts and coats and all this Goblin Girl stuff. And she was like, look, I can't take this back. Can you just take it and give it away at events and everything like that? So I was like, sure. Well, it's all in like European sizes. So super, super small, right? So I'm like, what am I going to do with this stuff? So anyways, we happened to take it that day to the field. And um, Dana was there. And Candy was like, hey, I'm going to give Dana some of that some of those coats, Goblin Girl coats and everything. So Candy went over and said, hey, do you want some of this? And she's like, I'll come look at it. So she came over. She's like looking at it. She's like, I can have all this stuff? We're like, yeah, take whatever you want, right? She's like, well, my little sister flies helicopters. Can I get one for her? And we're like, yeah, here, what size she need? Like, you have like extra, extra, extra small? (laughs) We're like, yeah, we have extra small. So we give her these shirts and then um, I don't know how we wound up there. I think I talked to the the helicopter guys. They're like, oh, we're going to meet next weekend or something. You guys should come back up. So we went back up, and then Dana went and got her sister, Brittany, and brought her over. And that's how we met Brittany. Hmm. um, Everything else is pretty much there on out. I think it just became the new thing. Hmm. We had my main helicopter airplane field that I had flown at around that time. We had just had a big accident down there with a full with a big airplane it was a big like 42 percent airplane and um and i don't want to get into details but yeah a person got really really hurt with a prop on it Ooh. and it wound up closing the field down oh, wow. so i was kind of in a mist of looking for another field anyhow and then just wound up going up to the nighthawks field and that's how that all happened very cool yeah pretty cool mm-hmm. 
So let's uh, let's talk about those uh, six storage units that you have that with nothing but RC stuff. What you got? Six What's storage in your fleet? units. Give or take. My God. So God. there is some stuff over my mom's house, and I don't really remember <laughs> what's over there. It's been a while, so mm-hmm. I had a nice big building room in her basement over there. I used to build airplanes and helicopters over there, and a lot of stuff is still over there. Um, I used to be like in the ducted fan jets. I think there's still a few of those over there. Um, nitro or nitro? Yeah, mm, the good stuff. Oh, dog. oh man, they screamed and they went nowhere. That's all I remember about those. <laughs> no, dude, I yeah. saw one that uh, had a a ninety one Rossi ninety one in it, and mm-hmm. uh, they clocked it doing one hundred and seventy five miles an hour. I have a aggressor two, a Bob Violet aggressor two over there. And back in the day, it had a uh, 91 in it, and it was being clocked up over 200 back then. Whew. And, wow. Uh, it was fast. And to tell you the truth, now that you brought that up, it's all on primer right now over there. I have a brand new kit. It's all on primer. Everything's there. A brand new motor, a brand new fan unit, pipe, everything is sitting there. It just needs final painting. Um, I kind of forgot all about that being over there. <laughs> um, there. I don't know if there's many helicopters over there. I do know... There's a Grotner turbine over there. Um, I wow. never flew that. It's a scale helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the Chinook? Don't you have a Chinook? There's a Vertol over there. There's a Herobo Vertol, twin rotor Vertol over there. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, maybe we'll get that stuff out sometime. You know, that would be cool because I know you got some stuff hiding. I do. I don't. I don't have that much stuff anymore. You know, I have my SAB kits. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think there might be eight. I have eight eight helicopters flying right now, and then uh, I also have um I only have like three or four three D aircraft three D airplanes. Hmm. It's I don't know. Stuff. I'll take your word for it, Todd. But I think you're holding back on us. You got some <laughs> some some well, classics in there. I had more, but then we wound up semi adopting these kids, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amanda. When she got into helicopters, she she was coming down helping me build all my stuff, and so a while back I had a 570. I took it to the New York Fun Fly. Kyle was there, and I'm like, Kyle, you want to fly this? It was a Goblin 570 kit sport. He's like, Yeah, I'll fly it, and he was flying it. I don't know what happened, but it something broke. I crashed, and. Kyle's like, oh, I feel really bad. And I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So the next day he like shows up. He's like, brings me this 570 kit. You know, it's like, I don't know what it had in it. Um, race, I don't know. I don't remember what's in it. But anyways, he's like, take all the parts off this. Get that thing flying again. So we did. We got the helicopter flying again. And he's like, here, just take what's left of the airframe for parts home. So it was sitting in the, on a shelf there. And when Amanda was coming down all the time helping build stuff, she's like, hey. I never see you fly that thing. And I'm like, well, it needs some stuff. She's like, can we put it back together? I'm like, I probably have all the parts to put it back together. So we put it back together. And then um, she's like, can I fly this? I'm like, yeah, go ahead, fly it. She's like, can I take this home with me? I'm like, all right, take it (laughs) home with you. (laughs) And then, yeah. So it's funny, like, you know, Amanda hasn't flown for probably a little over a year now. And, um, Brittany stole it from her. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sibling rivalry over there. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say that every time she built a new kit for you, 
that you gave her a part of the 570. <laughs> so hopefully one day she has a full kit. But was, you're a lot was, nicer. So <laughs> yeah, she, that's awesome. It, she just came out of nowhere. Um, Amanda was funny. It's so Brittany and Amanda live together, and Dana's their stepsister. Uh, but anyways, Brittany and Amanda's dad would have this summer event all the time at their house. They have a big, wide open field in the back of their house. And uh, we would go there, Candy would go there, and a couple of the other guys would show up. There was kind of a private fun fly. It was an open fun fly. And, uh, you know, Brittany and Dana, they were flying, and the rest of the group, and um, we're all hanging out. And we didn't even know Amanda at this time. And then Amanda worked really late at night at Dunk. She manages, a, she's a manager at Dunkin' Donut. And we didn't even know her. And we're like, finishing off for the night flying and kind of cleaning up and this girl comes walking out and she's like would you guys just get off my property already i'm trying to sleep and they're like who is this and like, <laughs> they had, you know we finally meet her and yeah it's britney's sister amanda and uh, mm. she hung out for a little bit and then she's like i'm done with this and she had like no interest in the rc helicopter stuff at all and then mm. like a year later or something like that she like calls me and she's like, Hey, I want to get a helicopter. And I'm like, here, call Kyle Stacy. He's done at BK Hobbies. He'll help you get what you need, right? <laughs> so Kyle, she's like, Oh, I have to have like we're trying to tell her to get like a spectrum radio to get into it, like a blade helicopter. She says, Nope. I want an SAB helicopter and <laughs> I want a B control touch. And she's she like ordered all this stuff from Kyle and Bert down there. And uh she gets it home and she just started building the stuff on her own at home. Well, at one point she got stuck and her and Brittany are like texting me. And I'm like, look, this is too hard texting to help you guys either bring it down to my house or I'll come out. So Candy and me wound up going out there like on a Sunday and uh, help Amanda get this thing together. But she wanted to do everything. It was pretty amazing. Like, I don't know where she got the skills out to do this, but she was able to like build this stuff. And, um, she just loved building helicopters. She built like at least one of my Kraken. She built a couple of my Drakes, my 570 Drake, um, probably multiple other helicopters. And wow. she pretty much did it almost on her own. Um, you know, she had questions here and there. And, you know, when it got to the touchy parts, like in the rotor head and everything, I was checking everything. But for the most part, she was able to build those helicopters. Um, she never really got into the setup part, like the transmitter setup part or anything like that. She just like, the bolts and nuts parts of it and just bolting a thing together and making it look like something. Hmm. She even soldered, right? Yeah, that was great, yeah. She's like, I want to learn how to solder. And I'm like, all right, we'll teach you how to solder because I hate soldering. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got a batch of batteries and care, you can put all these connectors on. <laughs> like, sat down there on a whole Saturday afternoon, like, soldering all my batteries together and solder. I, I don't know, she has this skill that she was just able to do it naturally. I can't wow. explain it. It's awesome. But, um, and then just as fast as she got into it, she kind of got out of it. Mm-hmm. So, She's living the Arizona life now. I guess. It's okay. We'll keep doing what we're doing, right, Todd? Yeah. Yeah, she <laughs> tell you the truth, a um, little backstory on this. When Amanda just started getting back into it, I had threatened to tire from the helicopter hobby because i was really into 3d airplanes at the time and i was probably flying 3d airplanes more than helicopters at that time 
and probably for the year prior to this. And um, I was just kind of losing interest in helicopters. I still liked them. It was just when I went to the field, I had to pick between the two to take. And it was like, it was always like in the springtime was airplane season for me. And then Urcha would come, would go to Urcha. And then I'd be like, after that was helicopter season. But then winter comes like in September for us. So it's like three months of helicopter for me. You know, the rest of the time at the beginning of the year was airplane season for me. Nice. And then I was like, ah, maybe I'm just going to get into airplanes. And then for some reason, like Amanda got into this and had all this interest and got me reinterested in it again. And then ever since I haven't lost interest in helicopters and now I'm flying helicopters more than airplanes at this point. She got you back in and then she went and bailed. What the she kind of got me back into it. I, I, yeah. And then she bailed out. Again. Well, speaking of uh, losing interest, um, these planes, were they gas motors? All my airplanes are 60-inch extreme uh, flight aircraft, so they're electric, success electric planes. Oh, okay, all right. I did get into a gas plane about three years ago. I had a 74-inch with a DA-35 in it, so it was a gas plane. It flew really, really well. I wish today I wouldn't have sold it, but it was just to the point where it's easier for me to take five helicopters in the back of my car and throw an airplane in the back seat than it is to take this big, you know, 74 yeah. inch plane with me. Well, I, you so. know, I, I saved Gooch from a lot of headache. Trust me. You should have <laughs> seen him riding through town with this hundred CC plane sticking out the tailgate of his truck. I mean, it was like he was carrying around a mountain bike in the back of his truck. You know, it was like bigger than his truck. <laughs> yeah. Like the spinners, the props were hanging off the tailgate. Yeah. Because I had a frontier at the time. It was like a, it was a five and a half foot, you know, it was just, they were gigantic. I had this like, you know, uh, wood piece of wood in the back to keep them like, you know, uh, tail raised off. It was a mess. I, I don't miss those days at all. They were fun to fly, but they are. Mm. The 60 inches is my favorite though. Yeah. I was going to say the smaller stuff. I mean, I, I would never go that big. I would probably do, you know, some 4S you know, five, whatever, 6S type um, plane, and that'd be about it, you know? Well, yeah, 6S is a 60-inch. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I like the extreme mm -hmm. flight stuff. It's nice and nice, light. It's very quick. They're, uh, they're beautiful planes. They make good stuff, for sure. So, yeah. I would fly planes more if I didn't have to build them. I just hate the building part. Well, they're already <laughs> built. Up, you just steps. shake the box and they're done. Well, I don't like shaking. I would have. Let's see what we got here. So you mentioned SAB. So have you been with the SAB uh, sponsored by them before SAB was incorporated? Yeah. So this is going back a little bit. I was flying for Outrage. Um, I was basically kind of air flying for the team, but undercover. I was an undercover <laughs> outrage. <laughs> I was never really into the team stuff. So okay. I had done this in the past for like Thunder Tiger, um, Robo, and a line. And then outrage came along. And it was like, I just never really wanted to do the team stuff. But like the people that were running the teams were like, yeah, we really want you to do this because you know, you're helping a lot of people and so on and so on. I'm like, look, I'll do it but like, I don't want to be officially a team member. And then, so uh, Heli Direct started to import. The outrage stuff basically ended. 
it got discontinued. They started bringing in all the SAB stuff. Um, so at that point, I started flying the SAB helicopters. And then, um, you know, Bert was getting involved in that whole thing there, too. And Bert's the one that talked me into being on a team. He's like, why don't you want to be on a team? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't like that team stuff. Like, you know, like hanging out with the guys and everything like that. But I, I don't know. There's just something about the team stuff. And mm. it's much different now than it was in the past. It was a little bit different before. So I do enjoy being on the teams now. But um, so that's how that happened. Bert was like, yeah, you just got to go on a team. I'm like, okay. And then, then he became a manager, and then, you know, it yeah, all just... managing stuff there for a while, and then... Um, you managed for a long time. Prob- probably. Um, the managing stuff is not easy, I can tell you that. It takes a lot of time. Um, mm-hmm. you got to keep track of knuckleheads like myself <laughs> and Kevin. Yeah, you do. But um, it's not really that. It's just... There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. Very cool. So, Todd, I have a question. With all your years of flying, did you ever do any competitions? I did some very, very local, small competitions that, you know, this we're talking back in the 90s, you know, something in that area, I'm guessing. Um, I did some events like that, but I never really got big into it. Um, was I did it some with lighter the... events. Some when I was heavy into sailplanes back in the late eighties, nineties. Um, I got into um, thermal soaring, and I had a lot of local friends that I flew with every weekend. But for some reason, when we went to an event, everybody's attitude changed. It was like everybody was for themselves, and I, it just gave me this really bad vibe for the competition stuff I'm like I don't, I don't know this is weird it's like i just wanted to have fun but yeah i don't know ever since then i don't think i've ever really really wanted to compete and i'm so busy anyways i just don't have time to dedicate like you know f3c i don't have time to dedicate to go out there and practice multiple times per week and when i get out on the weekends i just want to go off and fly Hmm. Fair enough. Get the yeah. squirt gun side or whatever. You, you keep threatening us with I'm gonna compete, I'm gonna compete. I was all psyched. I'm I got Todd Dudek, he's gonna do it, and then you just drop the ball. Oh, <laughs> well, I was, I was gonna do the FPC <laughs> stuff this year, then you decided not to do it. So I was like, all right, Oh, did, oh this year, yeah. Put it on me because I I listen, I already got the first place. I don't need another one. He's I'm not flying his airplanes, oh. Gooch. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think, I mean, especially because you've been in the hobby for so long. I, it's not that you're going there to win, but I think just the the amount of knowledge, I think it would be awesome to have you in the competition scene. I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah, through my whole hobby career, I've I've enjoyed helping other people, actually, more than flying myself, really. There's not mm-hmm. as many people that need help now. So, so that's one thing I do miss in the past. It was, you know, our area 10 years ago had, you know, probably close to 35 helicopter guys that would meet up at the field every Thursday and every Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Wow. But, um, yeah, most of those guys are just gone out of the hobby. The big thing was is when we lost that field due to the accident, that was our primary field. And when that happened, it was just 
everybody just dispersed. It was just mm-hmm. a reason for people not to fly anymore. Yeah. It was such a nice field, too. It was a great field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very wide open. Yeah. Nothing no trees. <laughs> yeah. No trees. Yeah, there was really like nothing, nothing to hit at all. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, Kyle mm-hmm. was there a few times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a hard time because we love you, but right. uh, we do know that you're a germaphobe. So okay. how did do- <laughs> 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 how, do- how does a germaphobe like yourself fly something as nasty and oily and disgusting as a nitro? It's got to be since it's what I grown up flying, and it just doesn't bother me anymore. But I do have some weapons to fight against that. Weapons. Weapons? Tools. <laughs> tools. I have some tools. <laughs> His accessories, yeah. <laughs> Todd's the only person I know that carries around like a, a hand sanitation like water jug and soap <laughs> and Purell Plus. and Yeah. So in the past I had major problems like um some of the fuels, coal pyre and everything like that, they would dry my hands out to the point where my hands were so dry. Um, I was actually wearing the finish off my Fataba transmitters where I would hold them. Mm-hmm. It would literally um, sand from my skin being so rough. It would sand the edges of the transmitter down. And I normally got a new transmitter back then every year. So it didn't take wow. long. And I'm sure the nitro in general didn't help either. Wow. Um, but now I'm just very, very careful um, when I'm filling a tank up. <laughs> And I try not to get any on my transmitter. And I try to keep it off my hands as best as I can. But, you know, you've seen what happened over the weekend, Gucci. If I got it on my hands, I got it off real fast. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're hand-washing, your pressurized hand-washing station was a hit. I mean, everybody loved it. I mean, Kyle's dad was impressed. I mean, it was a hit. Oh, yeah. So, that thing's yeah. been awesome. I got that for COVID, actually. <laughs> is that is that the one that you brought to Ohio? That we had uh, we used yep. on the table. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's the same oh, one. Think... He always brings it out, Chris. I bring it every weekend. That thing's amazing. <laughs> Whether I'm flying nitro or not, that thing travels with us all the time. <laughs> and you don't and fill that... up your nitro on his table. Yep, yep, not on that table. Mm-hmm. Nope, not well, I had to learn the hard way. He about beat me. We, we, had, we had a problem with that, right? Yeah. So, but that came in handy for COVID too, right? It did. Mm, it did. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, how has COVID affected Todd's flying or what he brings to the field? So COVID, when COVID first kicked in, it kind of slowed our, um, our rate of flying down a bit at the beginning. But then we just kind of dealed with it. I just got this can of um, red striper paint that you paint on the <laughs> ground, and I would just literally go to the field. I'd take my measuring tape and measure a <laughs> six-foot circle, and I would draw a six-foot circle with that around my table, and, like, nobody was allowed inside that circle. I'm like, six feet away. That's hilarious. So, oh, famous That's picture. how I kept everybody away. I think there's some pictures of that out there. <laughs> No, it was. I think it's. It was rough for everybody, right? When COVID first came along, everybody was kind of freaked out about it, right? Yeah, and then like 
two months, three months into it, we're like, yeah, whatever. Take me away. I'm flying helis. Who cares? Exactly. I think Who we cares? kind of got over it and we took our risk. <laughs> yeah. Most we of did. Us I mean, we, we, it was kind of like a walk in the park. We just kept our six foot, give or take, right? And yeah. we made it work, which that field of uh, Nighthawks is like, you don't have to even be anywhere remotely close to somebody if you don't want to. But we usually just still hung out. So I think it probably affected everybody in the same way, to tell you the truth. And mm-hmm. I'm always a germaphobe. I've always been a germaphobe. You know, it's just like, yeah. Bert's a germaphobe, too. He says he's not as bad as I am, but he is. It's like, <laughs> always borrow my sanitizer, right? Hey, you have any sanitizer? Yeah. Let <laughs> me do <laughs> that. <laughs> That was classic, washing your hands and then putting some hand sanitizer on. I was like, okay. Okay. Doubling down. Oh, doubling down. Like, he was not taking any chances with us. There you go. You know? Yeah. You give him a hug, like, he then goes and takes a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Hugs are are probably safer than handshaking, I think, though. Oh, man. I'm going to give you a big old kiss next time. (laughs) <laughs> let's not go that far <laughs> uh, well if ever anybody knows you they know that you definitely are not somebody who's flying high head speed at least I've never seen it happen maybe we'll talk about that in a second but let's talk about your low head speed fetish Okay. so <laughs> what has been the lowest head speed that you've ever run and I kind of want you to back up for a second and really think about that. Was it back in those, what was it, the Bergen Yamaha days or whatever, like where you had the, was it the two-cylinder gas engines? I mean, you're talking 11-foot span blades. I mean, like, what, what are we talking here? What was the head speeds on those versus how you fly today? So the head speeds on Yamaha is around 870 RPM, but mm-hmm. you're talking about a 12-foot rotor diameter, so it's a little bit different. Right. The, the Bergen helicopter um, was spinning like, 900 millimeter blades but the problem with that is is we were trying to lift so much weight with it we had to get the rpm way way up sure Um, a lot of our testing was done it like so i would go to work my real job in airline industry and then i would go down to the other place in pittsburgh it's about a half hour away and i would work through the night down there we had to do a lot of our testing indoors so we had these huge high bays down there and uh, we were testing the Bergen helicopter indoors, you know, at two or three in the morning. And uh, we were running super high head speeds. I don't, I couldn't even tell you what the head speeds were. I'm going to say up around the 900 millimeter blades were probably up to around 2000 okay. just to get the aircraft off the ground. And actually, we had a main shaft bail one, one night where the, basically the whole head came off the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh. So it was pretty what? scary stuff. Kind of bolt those down. We were just, it wasn't bolted down, it was in a hover. We, we, were, we were hovering them. Did you yell, Jesus? I'm sure there was many things that were yelled. <laughs> yeah, part shot everywhere. Man, oh, night flying indoors at 2,000 RPM with a really big disc. Okay. Yeah. You win. You win. All right. Well, so in our hobby then, what's what helicopter have you owned and what was the lowest head speed that you did? So the lowest I could um, do most maneuvers that I was doing with was a Goblin uh, 770. Mm. 
was running a Contronics Pyro setup in it. It's like okay. a 800 series motor or something like that. Um, and a Contronics Cosmic 200 on it. And uh, this is probably when I first started getting into the lower head speed stuff. I had, I had just decided one day at the field that, will this thing fly with one battery? Like, what happens if I just put a 6.0 in? It will fly. <laughs> so I just happened. I didn't change anything. I didn't change gearing. I didn't change um, endpoint adjustments in a transmitter for throttle. I simply put a 6.0 in it, plugged it in. And the Contronics were very easy to do this with. Um, it worked very well. And came up into a hover. So it's basically half of what your normal RPM was. Right. So it was basically running at 900 RPM, like 9 or 950, somewhere in there. Wow. But it flew really well. You could you could flip it. You could roll it. You could do most stuff with it. You just had to be a little bit careful. Um, but yeah, that was probably about the lowest round. And that's nine, when you, like, you feel like you you found your new station in life with low head speed. That, that's what spawned it all? It did, but it probably goes back a little bit further than that. I wasn't always low head speed. It goes all the way back to the Pete Niotis days. For some reason, I really liked the way Pete Niotis flew. He was very super smooth. And oh. he was a very shy guy. He did not like people to watch him fly or anything like that, but he was just so good. I don't know if anybody's ever seen him fly or not, but he was just very smooth and precise of what he was doing. And that's yeah. what really got me into it. Uh, the other thing that got me into lower head speed was is I've always liked the nitro feel. And when I got into electric helicopters, I couldn't get the feel of the, of the nitro. Mm -hmm. So what I had found over time was is I did this 6S thing, this half packing, I called it. I did it for a while. Christopher did it, I think, for a while. Kyle tried it, I think, for a while. And then um, it was okay, but the pro there was a limitation to it. Like if you got in trouble, and you really got on a pitch or cyclic, the blades would just stop. You could barely get out of it. <laughs> wow. I so, crashed because of Todd. <laughs> so um, then I went to the 12S setup, but it was just so fast, I wasn't getting that nitro feel. So I started backing off the RPMs until I started getting the feel of the nitro. And I'm pretty close now, I think, to what the feel is for like a nitro and my electrics they fly, fly pretty similar yeah but now i'm running the b control gov so what i do now is i'm running 12s but then i run a lot of boost like um throttle cyclic okay to, um, throttle boost so if you really get in trouble and you really get on a stick and give it a lot of collective or a lot of cyclic it'll actually boost your throttle a little bit so the blades don't slow down oh neat how do you have your ESC set up? Are you doing airplane mode or external governor mode? Like, how are you doing that? So I'm using, um, I don't think I'm using airplane mode. There's that other mode in the hobby wing. I use hobby wing ESCs. Mm -hmm. So I'm using like the external gov mode. And yeah. then I'm just running the Neo uh, VBAR gov. Nice. So everything's ran out of the Neo. I was thinking of trying that again lately just to, I don't know, have something to mess with. It works really well for me. I the like Neo, it because you can use those boosts. Yeah, the Neo goes really good. Yeah, maybe I'll do it on the Puma or something just to mess with. There you go. The nice thing is it has the look ahead, right? Because it knows as you give it a stick command, it knows to already boost the throttle. Yeah, exactly. So it, it knows what you're, you're doing. It knows what you're doing, where if you're running the internal gov of the ESC, it has to wait till it feels a load. Right. So there is a slight delay. 
Speaking of loads, um, do you wear any hard hats when you watch anyone fly? Um, <laughs> mostly just when I'm around Kevin <laughs> spotting for him. I'm so offended. Man. I'm offended. Poor Kevin. Uh, Kevin's my hero. <laughs> You're my hero, Todd. <laughs> he lets it all out. Well, I've seen you run high head speed whenever you're trying to discharge the packs before you head home. Like, so I do occasionally run higher head speeds. I get in this mood to where I just want to run high head speed. The problem with it is for me, I just get really sloppy when I do it. <laughs> I just start banging the sticks around. It's fun for a little while, but it's not. It's not what I enjoy to do. Right. All right. Let's see. Oh, we got a game? Should we do the game real quick? Ooh. Or we wrap it up? Yeah. yeah. Let's, play a ta- let's play a game with Todd. See, what he- see how he does. Right. You ready for this, Todd? <laughs> sure. Mm. Oh, it's the old Would You Rather. Huh. Would You Rather. <laughs> okay. I've played this game before. <laughs> would you rather go sl- a slow uh, low yeah. head speed or high head speed up with me running around a neighborhood naked I don't know what <laughs> oh, <I'm>... Jesus <laughs> on the next show Kevin, <laughs> Kevin goes streaking to the yeah. gymnasium there it is <laughs> alright you'll see you want to go Kyle or you want I'll, go. I'll do it you okay do, you Todd do. you ready sure would you rather use someone else's radio or drink a sip of nitro? How much nitro? Like a sip, you know, like how sometimes you just get a little bit of, you know, like, like maybe a, a sip? Like a half a shot of, you know, nitro shot glass. Half a shot. Whew. Or use That's a lot. Else. Yeah. R.I.P. Is it a lot? Is it like an ounce? Is it more than an ounce? Let's do half an ounce. Half an ounce shot. Yeah, as of who's pouring. I mean, Rotor Rage may smell like soap, but it don't taste like it, I can tell you that. In the past, I have probably drank close to that much nitro anyway, so I'm just going to go with nitro. (laughs) I've I've had fuel fuel lines pop off before, and yeah, Yeah. you get shot in the face with a bunch of nitro, Uh, and it gets in your mouth. It doesn't taste good, but uh, mm -mm. yeah, I'll I'll go with a shot of nitro. You really think the shot of nitro is safer? I didn't say anything about being safer. (laughs) he doesn't like people using or he doesn't like using other people's radio that's all here's the bigger problem i I have with using people other people's transmitters and i know cal knows about this and he's probably the only one but i use very very short sticks guy fly thumbs so my sticks are very very short the other thing i do on my transmitters is i use the stick limiters on the throttle stick the collective stick on my uh, v bars or my b or my controls Kyle hates it but as you know when you buy your transmitter you get these little plastic pieces in there Mm -hmm. Um, they're called stick limiters and it makes it so that you don't have to move your collective stick as far so since I fly thumbs um, that's one of the problems I have I don't have a lot of travel on my thumb on that side for some reason I don't know what it is so like when I start giving like right rudder I start to run out of travel with the extension of my finger, my thumb. Okay. I just want to point out really quickly that you mentioned that, you know, Kyle would know the length of your sticks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I would not because when he let me fly as Drake, I said, where's your radio? He's like, oh, you're not using my radio. 
<laughs> you can use your own damn radio. I knew you wouldn't like the length of my sticks. <laughs> and I yeah, knew you wouldn't like my stick length. Not enough girth. You didn't like the stick. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. It's after midnight. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yeah. You guys drug it out tonight, so mm. I'm just getting fired. <laughs> No, this is my. <laughs> He's getting warmed up. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Uh, All right, Chris, let her rip. What's the next one? All right. All right, Ty. Would you rather spot for Kevin while flying hurricanes, or fly a raw electric with no name servos? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no name servos. I know which one no I'd name. pick. <laughs> Me too. No name servos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to spotting for Kevin now doing hurricanes, so I'll go with standing by Kevin doing hurricanes. What? Mm. Look at that, Kevin. You Man. have realigned Todd. That's it's Kevin's all my warm been settling down his flying style. So I have a little bit. Yeah, he is not mm-hmm. as aggressive as he was last year. That's yeah. I had pent up <laughs> anger. I was mad. I was a really mad, dude. I was super mad. I was super uh, mad. Ooh, I got a, another good one. You ready, Todd? Sure. Would you rather fly OS motors or fly balsa blades on a 700 spinning at 2400 RPM? Well, that's mm. another good one. <laughs> um, uh, if I only had to fly the OS motor one flight, I'd probably well, pick the OS motor. Okay. Just one flight, man. Just one flight. There's just no love. Not even like a weekend. <laughs> now you're pushing for a weekend, a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, whole weekend. You either have the OS or you had the balsa blade. <laughs> balsa uh, seven hundred blades at twenty four hundred. Is that even possible? We're about to find so. out. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm about to make a video at Gucci's house. Uh, <laughs> yep. I don't remember what we were flying. Wooden rotor blades in the past. I have to tell you the truth. Hmm. It, would be it, will, it will last, not for long, but it will last. But oof, that would be an explosion. It would be confetti, I think. Mm. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you would fly always motors okay. for a day. Yeah, for a day. I'll go for a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, next. Now, this one is uh, a little personal. Oh, mm. Yeah, we're getting a little personal here. Would you rather hug Kevin, no homo, or use a porta potty that has not been cleaned in three entire months? Well, um, I'll go for the porta potty that hasn't been cleaned. Holy crap, are you wow. serious? And, but uh, there's an explanation to this. Oh, my gosh. You're not saying that I can't clean it myself. So, mm. uh, that's that. I mean, he was our porta potty cleaner at the Fun Fly. He uh, made sure that was sprayed clean. Him and and Dave Karash. I mean, they were on point. Hmm. I just want I you to know, carry... I do shower every day <laughs> <laughs> at a Fun I Fly. Carry Clorox wipes with me. So, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Would you rather fly No Name Lipos or tandem with Leroy Hall? Hmm. You know, Leroy has really slowed his flying style down, too. Mm-hmm. 
it's not as scary as it used to be. It's not as instinctive. As <laughs> instinctive. Um, let's not get into that. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Mm. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would I would fly Tana with Leroy. Leroy has started to get into kind of lower head speeds now, mm-hmm. and a little bit more controlled flight. And you know, last year when he was at the Ohio event, um, he was flying very very smooth. I thought um, yeah. it was pretty impressive. He, he lowered his good. head speed down. He did. And, mm-hmm. um, he was doing some really nice stuff. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, mm. I agree. All right. All right, Todd, I got another one for you. All right. Would you rather fly over a, a fire pit and see how close you can get to the flames or fly with one spotlight bought from Walmart? Oof. Mm. One spotlight bought from Walmart. Well, probably... I would do the fire pit. Hell yeah. Mm. He's coming to Urcho, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you I'm what, Todd. I'll bring yep. the camper so you don't have to use the porta john. You can mm. use my bathroom and you can clean it every damn time if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Just so long as you come to Urcho and have a good time with us. Yep. You do that. It's on his to do list. I've been, you know, he's, he's, Todd needs sometimes convincing, but it, you it's know a must. you need to go at least once. Yeah. Although you... um, flying with the spotlight, this thing you're mentioning, I have a funny story. Um, back in the day when we were just getting into night flying with night blades, there were these blades made that were called uh, G blades, and what they were were they were a neon fiberglass blade, and they had a uh, they were basically hollow cord blades. They had some type of structure in the leading edge where they were supported by the blade grip, but for the most of them, they were a hollow core, and they had this small hole at the um, blade grip. And what we would do for night flying is, is we would strap glow stick on a tail, glow stick on each skid, and we would take like a few cc's of xylem out of a glow stick, suck it out of the glow stick, inject it into the rotor blade, and then as you spun the rotor blade up, all that xylem would go to the tip, and you basically had lighted rotor blades no really yeah so i got this great (laughs) idea if like and everybody's like you only put like this many cc's in it i don't remember what it is i'm like oh okay if that many cc's makes it that bright what if i double that it'll be brighter right (laughs) and i like fill these blades up with all this silent right we're at a local flying field we're trying this night flying stuff just when we're trying night flying bring this thing up in the hover and I'm flying around and then all of a sudden the tips of the rotor blades blow out because there was too much xylem in it and it basically just separated the fiberglass blade at the tip. <laughs> it was very, very cool because it shot xylem like everywhere. But the problem was <laughs> is now you had no glowing blades. So all you had were glow sticks on the landing gear and the tail boom to get the thing back down. But That's funny. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh Lord. Todd. All these years you've been in the hobby, I gotta say, you got some some stories to tell. I'm oh, glad yeah. that you that you chose to tell these stories on, on our show. Absolutely. Where else would I tell them? Mm. Not on That's, Freefall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh you know, it's 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 cool too because a lot of times uh Todd, Gooch and I will will hang out on Wednesday nights and do simming and 
I mean, this is like a Wednesday night for us getting to listen to all these great stories, but uh, we certainly do appreciate you coming on, Todd. And uh, we're, we're glad that you finally embraced our show enough to come on. So we appreciate yeah, thanks you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was man. fun. Thank you so much. Um, I tell you what, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? The best way to do that is just go to my Facebook page. It's Todd Dudak and send me a private message there. Hmm, private message. Ooh. All wow. right. Perfect. All now, right. is, that a, is that a DM or a PM? Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> DM? DM? A, private yeah. message? I think DM is like super personal, right? Oh, that's too personal. That so you don't want don't you don't want whole... DMs, do you, Todd? You just want PMs. <laughs> However you want to get a hold of me, after, dude. After, <laughs> I'll after just call that you. message, Todd's gonna break out the Purell. <laughs> <laughs> and the washing station. That's Watch right. out. Mm. Gotta cool him down. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank Perfect. you, Todd. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank man. you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you guys would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at theheliheadshow at gmail.com. If you have any show ideas or any types of things that you'd like to bless us with, let us know. If you want to know how to fix something on your own helicopter and you can't get help, email us. We would love to try and give you some ideas. Uh, what else we got? Mm, like our Facebook, follow and subscribe to us on Podbean and iTunes. And we are going to have some re- some reviews that we got on some of those. All so right. we'll talk about them in a second. Yes. And what do we mm-hmm. got? Shout out to the other Heli podcasts and video personalities in the hobby, especially Bill Ann. Especially Bill, Bill Ann. Bill. Yep. Free Fall, Skids Up, Telerotor. Uh, who am I? Oh, Maximum Collective, Collective. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. I've been, I, you know, I listened to their last show. It's pretty good. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, so thank you very much, you guys, for giving us yet something else to listen to. And uh, yeah. All right. So we have uh, a couple reviews here. And what? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, now mm-hmm. we're behind the ball. So we apologize for that because we really suck at this. But Gooch, what we got on the first on the list there? So the first one, where did it come from? Uh, uh, this is from iTunes. iTunes. So we actually got something on iTunes, a review or feedback or comment, however you want to see it. Five stars. From Nospel. No spell? I don't even know. No I, I don't know. Uh, this, one of our listeners said the, the title of the, the whole feedback was closest to RCHN 2.0. Five nice. stars, right? Mm-hmm. And it says RCHN was the godfather of Heli Podcast and was sad when they hung it up. It bumped me out. It bummed me out. And these guys have close to the same vibe and helped me get back into the hobby. Thank you. That's Dude, pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it is amazing. Yep. Yep. And we have some more on Podbean, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What else do we have there? Uh, yeah. So we've gotten one from this guy before. I say guy. Maybe it's a girl. I don't know. Uh, but it's MWX MWX. Uh, it says that uh, it was a very helpful servo comparison. Uh, but do you think we can really trust all those specs the manufacturers use to market their products? I definitely trust Futaba, but I would love to see all of those servos tested in a controlled environment. Maybe you could do something like that one day. Here's my answer to that. <laughs> I am very disappointed to, to deliver this news, but... Um, Sadly, a lot of these specs specs that are on the servos are not accurate. 
wah, wah, wah. Um, but you know, you can conduct your own tests. There was a YouTube channel out there. There was somebody who took some of the major brands, uh, you know, out on the market and I mean, just pulling fictitious numbers. If it said that it was 400 ounce, it was actually like 230. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's a good question, but you know, mm-hmm. all we can do is is take the information of what we're given, you know, on sites and relay that to you. Um, but uh, yeah, you're you're onto something there. That uh, it's it's not always accurate. It's just like the C ratings on batteries, right? We've sort of RCHN sort of debunked that a long time ago, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, um, servos are not any different. Uh, unfortunately, so. There you have it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had the time to actually run testing. Yeah. And do a controlled environment and run them all. And because obviously this is not like a standardized testing procedures for servos, mm. you know? So it would be nice, but I think we chose the, the route is of trusting what the specs are. Yeah. That's, you know? Well, you know. And I could tell you that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 400, 500 ounce inch in, in my hands as a, you know, average pilot, they feel the same. They run the heli, they do what they're supposed to. So it's kind of the approach I take. Yep. Mm-hmm. We got another one here. Mm-hmm. All right. So this guy was uh, somebody that we met on Free Falls pod, or, uh, Discord uh, night, right on Friday nights. Yep. And then you got to meet him at Springfield. We both did, but he spoke yeah. a few more often. So go ahead. Yep. So Steve O from I think he's he's a farmer from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He actually came well, he came on Discord and he was like, I'm going to my first phone fly, which was Springfield. So me and Eric jumped on the opportunity to be ambassadors of the, the Heli community. And we said, Hey, listen, when you get there, ask for Eric Shoe or Gucci. And he did, and we met him finally at Sprinkling, and uh, he left us a little message, uh, which was, it was great meeting Daniel, and I believe also met Kevin. Yes, you met Kevin too, briefly, as well uh, at the Sprinkling. Hopefully, I can make it to more events in the future. Now, it was awesome to see a brand new, never been to a fun fly. You know, we were able to kind of get him going. We kind of gave him the the rules that you know the unspoken rules of fun flies and he was out there having fun watching all the great fights so yeah thank you for your your feedback people always keep listening Absolutely. Like we'll, we'll see you the next fun flight that we're all gonna attend yeah so we got one last one here that came in 25 days ago and uh it says nice episode guys keep up the good work no thank you greg uh, ringley for starting up Maximum Collective with your boys. So uh, we look forward to you guys. So thank you very much for listening to yep. us, but we can't wait for more episodes from you guys. Yep. Many more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, let's get it the Part- heck out of here. Gooch, why don't you give us your parting words? Ah, uh, me again. Spring fling or bust. Well, that's kind of old. Uh, it was more like Cuba or bust. There you and go. I did not find Fidel Castro. I don't know. Fidel was not in Cuba. I don't know what happened. Uh, hashtag Puma2022. And for me, it's going to be 12S. So both Pumas will be 12S. Um, hashtag I'm starting to fight like skids. Uh, Get your hard hat. Yep. Uh, 
Todd, Todd always tries to keep me on on the good side, not the bad side of crashes. So I always appreciate that. Uh, hashtag high internal resistance means you're flying correctly. That's according to Kevin. That's what he said. I had some very high IRs on one of my packs. I definitely demolished it. So, mm. and they say that if you hashtag low internal resistance means you're flying like a pussy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sounds, <laughs> sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And then hashtag spring was in the air, so just send it. But now summer is in full force here. Let's do some more flying. So that's all I have. There it is. All right, there, Kyle. What you got, buddy? I've been a little distant on the hobby, so it is hashtag I disappear occasionally. Hashtag when I'm back now. Hashtag until I'm not. <laughs> perfect yeah uh, alright Chris hashtag, what you got uh, hashtag I still don't know what I'm doing hashtag <laughs> asserting dominance and hashtag still making it through all the events without crashing sweet mm. Todd Todd even put one in here mm-hmm. did I yeah. yeah yeah you got one in there look scroll to the bottom it says Todd <laughs> don't lose interest don't lose interest. I have one. Hashtags are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Hashtag if it flies, it dies or desolders or unplugs or fall. I, it just keeps going. Uh, of course, hashtag 12 a.m. is my limit. Hashtag yep. poof. Mm-hmm. I got a hashtag if you crash enough, there's no need for maintenance. Todd. Fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got a new one here. Okay, here we go. We got hashtag packs or packs. Mm, <laughs> but that stung a few folks. And then, of course, wrapping up, we got hashtag rodeo is for churros. Thanks so yeah. much for listening. This has been episode number 72 with Todd Dudek. We'll catch you guys next time. Later. See you guys. Need to be pasted in. Oh, um, are we rotating through or? Yeah, that's all I was wondering too. Um, we're just gonna steamroll each other if we just kind of grab them. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to type them in? Do it, Kyle. Yep. Why don't you do something around here, okay? You know what, Kevin? Why don't you shut the fuck up? How about that? Um, Kyle. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Just for you, I'm gonna shut the fuck up. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Twelve thirty. Todd, you're tiring, man. Yeah. That was a short one, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. No, we started about what, nine forty five? Compared to, <laughs> compared to uh, some other ones. Yeah, that was short. Mm.
that's a true friendship in my opinion. When you can tell your friend to shut the fuck up and then give him a reach around. <laughs> what? No? It's all about you know how oh, fast you recover, right? That's what friendships are about. That's recovery. Right. I'll give you some germs. Listen, I mean, I hold grudges, I'm not gonna lie. No, but I will still help. give Kyle a reach around. And Gucci too. <laughs> not you, Chris. I got back just in the wrong time. <laughs> Let me go get a drink. I'll be right back. All right. Well, because I didn't have side cutters with me at the time. <laughs> I'll just take the whole battery, the whole thing, and throw it in the freaking trash. I would, you know, whatever. You take, oh, your, you take your batteries on a bike ride, throw them over the hill, or what? I, I mean, that'd be fun. <laughs> Imagine if I threw one at an alligator. Do you have you alligators now, bro? Are you oh, serious? Dude. I was riding the trail the other day. And I'm freaking barreling down this trail, right? And I'm all of a sudden I see these two just like looking at me like deer in headlights, and I slam on the brakes and stop. And they're just like, "You may not want to go that way." I'm like, "Why is that?" And they're like, "Well, there's like a 15 foot alligator like draped across the trail back there." Really? I was like, "Son of a!" And then it's like I'm debating. I'm like, "Okay, could I bunny hop that guy, or <laughs> should no. I turn around and climb back up this hill that I just freaking barreled down?" I'm like, "Son of a bitch! I don't want to freaking climb." But I did it anyways. I did climb, so. Oh, I thought you were about to tell us you x game it over I, the Dude, alligator. it would be badass, wouldn't it? Right? That'd be really kicking. You would have had GoPro that. Yeah. You would have had a Red Bull sponsor. Been. Yeah, snakes I don't stop for anymore. Fuck those guys. But alligators, <laughs> I don't fuck around like that. Mm-mm. Mm. I've run well, over a couple snakes. One. What's that? I've, I've run over a couple snakes. It's yeah? Big... Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> Just give them a little back massage. It only tickles. A little back massage, a little 29 inch wheel back massage. I'm looking at bikes right now. Are you? I was earlier. I, yeah. dude, a guy told me he's like, screw 150 size. You need to stay with the mid travel bike. Go with 130. I was like, okay. Fuck that. I'm easily swayed. I really am. You know, if they told you e bike was the way, you'd be like, all right, well, okay. no, because freaking Boyce <laughs> and Scott tried to do that to me. And it was their way of being like, yeah, you should do that. It's the way. And what they were really saying was, is like, yeah, you're fat and slow. It's awesome. Um, you should get an e-bike. <laughs> they would never. She's asleep. Oh, good God. Wake her up. <laughs> you're going to have to wake me up. So. Do you want us to give you some ideas on how to wake her up? <laughs> <laughs> right in the ear, baby. Right in the ear. Oh, shit. Last time I woke her up, Kevin's like, you shouldn't have woke her up. And that was a Virginia. Yeah, but how true was it? It was true, wasn't it? Yeah, you were right. He was no. like, he was grumpy the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. See, I told you. She's like, I wish I had another hour. Yeah, see, I told my wife that, too. I was like, yeah, I was like, Chris made a fatal mistake at Spring Fling. And she's like, <laughs> what did he do? I said, well, Kim told him that she wanted to take an hour nap. And and so he did just that. He woke her up for an hour, and he was like, he done fucked up. And I was like, see? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm trained. I'm domesticated. I understand. <laughs> all right, then. You all ready? I am. <laughs> Starting to lose interest. <laughs> I wish you'd say that on the Wednesday nights that you keep us up until 2 a.m. Yeah. Just he yeah, never away. seems to lose interest then, does he, Gooch? No. No, no. <laughs>
I could at least pay my salary for this show. Hey, still have not gotten paid yet. <laughs> You're getting caught. paid for this? No. <laughs> he must have your old address or something. I don't know what's going on here. We keep sending that paycheck. Yeah, I thought never... you. I, I've been sending it to New York. Is that not right? <laughs> your dad, your dad, your old apartment. I mean, your dad sends me a Christmas letter now every time. So. <laughs> oh, that's why he has a Rolex now. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> mm.